Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm the only guy on the planet that gets busted by waiters. Benny fucking Hanna. <laughs> Oh God! Um, so I want to say while I was watching, like, like there are two versions of this movie. There's Blow, one is called Blow, one is called it, Suck. <laughs> and the better version of this movie came out twelve years later in the form of The Wolf of Wall Street. Because when he gets busted by waiters, all I kept hearing in my head was <laughs> Benny Hanna, Benny fucking Hanna. Even more fucked was that he got busted for shit that had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to fucking do with me. Something about laundering drug money through offshore boat racing and a guy named Rocky Aoki. You know, the founder of Benihana. Benihana? Benny fucking Hana? Benny fucking Hana? Why? Why, why, God? Why would you be so cruel as to choose a chain of fucking hibachi restaurants to take me down? Like, that's all I kept hearing. That's all I... I... Oh God! And I guess this kind Rob kind of give a second uh, little, little like a shout out to Wolf of Wall Street, which unfortunately I can no longer make the joke about Rob never seen because now he edits these episodes where I as used to before used to edit all that out. I was about to say I go ahead, Rob. I couldn't think of Benny Hanna because Zach has made me forget the Wolf of Wall Street, so I have never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, to our audience at home for numerous years. Anytime I'd make the joke about how Rob never saw The Wolf of Wall Street, he'd be like, Zach, I did see this, like, like six months after it came out. And I'd be like, Rob, that's a lie. Like, that's not true. He'd be like, Zach, I know everything. I would cut all that out because I did all the editing. Now I cannot do that anymore. And I am highly, highly disappointed. But yes. Now I greatest... do <laughs> Yes. Now Rob can edit out things. Um, the greatest promotional thing, I think, for cocaine in the last 15 years has probably been The Wolf of Wall Street. There's never been anything in my life that makes me want to do cocaine more than the wolf of wall street it's one of the, it's the equivalent of what smoking was in the 50s it makes it into the coolest goddamn thing that's ever existed <laughs> and this movie doesn't really do that yeah and that is part of the reason why uh i have things to say about it sure but sure. continue rob continue well, well rob. no i'm actually glad uh when you said that the better version of this movie exists or whatever you just said about Wolf of Wall Street. You, when you mentioned Wolf of Wall Street, I'm glad you said that and didn't say American made. Because not only do we are we going to have to talk about context for what we're discussing today, but there's context at how this episode came around. And I'm sure that everybody who is listening to this has already seen the title that we are discussing Suck and Blow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to describe that when I watched Blow to see, you know, what it was like, because... I thought I had seen this movie before. I don't think I have. I think I was misremembering that. But when I watched it, I reported back to Zach, and I was like, Blow is incredibly basic. Like, we could definitely do that recording, like, with something else, you know, in the same day type of thing. And Zach had a suggestion that we pair it with American Made, because I think you described it as a sister film to it. A very mm-hmm. similar topic, at least. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit American Made. But my suggestion was that we find a movie called Suck and pair it with Blow. And this is where we are as, as cinemodities. <laughs> <laughs> Three years later, folks, and we have an advance beyond half a square. Suck and Blow. So 
I, uh, I, I had this idea just because Zach was like, we should pair something with Blow. And I went, suck. Is there a movie called Suck? Let's look for it. And we found one. It has nothing to do with cocaine. It has something to do with vampires and terrible recreations of famous album covers. But we'll get to there, that. There is drug use in Suck. Uh, yeah, there is drug use in Suck. And I would say almost the whole movie is a metaphor for drug use. So I, I guess there is some combination there to, to Blow. But... As I was digging into this deeper and watching them and making my notes for this, I started to think about something that I don't know if I ever really thought about before. So, so the the terms blow and suck. Oh God, they're they're antonyms. So of course, like you can blow through a straw or you can suck through a straw. Like blowing would be your expelling air, suck would be your inhaling. But they're also synonyms, Zach. You know, like, in terms of the, I don't know if you're aware of this, Zach, but in terms of the sex act, you could blow oh, somebody boy. and you could suck somebody, and they mean the same mm. thing. I guess mm. I guess you might be aware of the, uh, in terms of something being bad, like a movie can blow and it can suck, and that means the same thing. But this is a pair of words that are both synonyms and antonyms, and I was like, ooh, that's really cool. What is that called? And apparently there is no canonical name for this phenomenon, but there's some suggestions from the internet. One I don't like is oposonyms. That's, that's, that sucks. Uh, that, that sucks, sucks hardcore, blows. right? That sucks and blows, yes. The, the, uh, describing this phenomenon, someone suggested contronymous. So that, yeah, that wouldn't be a name. That's closer, that's a closer to a Robism as a name. Yes, but, but that's just describing the phenomenon. I wanted a name for the pair of words. Like, you would say blow and suck are controminous, contronymous, but I wanted an actual name. And the thing that I found that somebody suggested on English, the English language stack exchange was these are paradoxical heteronyms. And I was like, oh I like God. that. I was like, I like of course. that. Of course, it's wordy, over the top. Oh yeah, and so it's, it's hard to say. Some other examples. Uh, so hot and cool. I think that's an example of paradoxical heteronyms. So temperature-wise, you could be hot or cool, but you could also say something is cool and hot, as in the positive. Uh, up and down is interesting. Like, of course, up and down in terms of direction or antonyms. But you could be up for something and down for something, uh, which both means you're into it. And then coming and going. Because you could be coming as in arriving or going as in leaving, but you could also say, you know, how is the project coming or how is the project going in terms of, you know, how you're how you're doing with it. So this this episode, everybody got their English language lesson with paradoxical heteronyms, blow and suck. So and this, this includes is... our episode of Rob Semantics <laughs> 101. <laughs> so what do we play in reverse this week? So I, I think that the next time the the sex act is about to be performed, this is how you describe it to your partner. You say, have you ever thought about the fact that blow and suck are paradoxical heteronyms? And if your partner is turned off, you shouldn't be with them anyway. This should be an aphrodisiac talking about this thing, right? Am I right, Zach? Yes. <laughs> you are right, Rob. Just make sure you show Fantastic Plant after the deed is done. Yes, <laughs> and spirited away. Uh, for the during. That's the other test of whether your partner should be with you. So that was, uh, I have to say, some of the most interesting thoughts I had while preparing for this recording while watching Blow and Suck. But I want to start because I did watch it with American Made, the one that Zach suggested that we're not going to focus on. I full-on hated this movie, Zach. I Why? I fucking could not stand American Made. 
One, the camera work is horrendous. Uh, there's multiple scenes where Tom Cruise, the camera snap zooms into Tom Cruise's face when he's in a weird situation, and he might as well, Urkel style, go, Did I do that? The movie is fucking dumb. It's clearly trying to do way more than it should be. I know it's based on a real story, and Tom Cruise is just, I want to be Tom Cruise in another Doug Lyman movie. I hated American Made. The whole movie gave me a headache, Zach. I could not stand it. I, I, I haven't seen that movie in a couple of years, but I remember liking it. I remember oh. thoroughly enjoying it. It is. I think it is. And I Am the Spy is in it. Well, well, th- I'm glad you bring that up because my favorite part of the movie is that the spy shows up at the beginning. And I'm like, ooh, it's the spy. And he tells Tom Cruise that Tom Cruise has to be the spy. So the spy <laughs> tells somebody else to be the spy, which I thought was pretty interesting. But a lot of it is just total nonsense. Um, the mo- the last shot of the movie, I'm pretty sure, is literally the spy who he's the CIA agent in the movie. Um, he goes into his boss after everything's gotten fucked up because the whole movie is like, isn't the CIA stupid? Yeah, they're stupid. Like Tom Cruise got the better of the whole government because he knew how to fly a plane slow. It's the dumbest fucking thing. The last scene in the movie is Domino Gleason goes into his boss's office and goes, I got it. We get the Iranians to give the guns to the Contras. And I'm like, wonderful movie. Wonderful. You did it. You, you set, I don't even know what the fuck they did, but they did something. And the movie ended. I was very happy. Um, I do have to I say, though. I thought that was clever. I that, thought that was clever. No, like that is the farthest thing from clever. <laughs> I thought it. Okay, maybe not clever. I found it amusing. Oh, God. Um, I like that movie. I'm not saying it's good, but I, I enjoy it. I could not stand it there there's a scene where tom cruise for some reason runs into uh george w bush like before he's president and george w bush the whoever they have playing him is literally like like he sounds like goofy like goofy as as a description and the disney character and tom cruise (laughs) is like in the white house for some reason like i think he has he's gonna work for the dea or something to get pablo escobar and and letterer um and and the medellin cartel and for some reason george w bush is there and george w bush is like did you know i did cocaine i'm gonna be president one day but we're not talking about that in this movie and i'm like what the fuck is this Bullshit. I hated it. Absolutely hated this movie. Fun fact, behind the scenes, when they were filming in Colombia, a plane carrying crew members crashed and killed two of them. <laughs> really? Yes. It was not like a, a, a John Landis violating anything. It was just like bad weather actually crashed a plane and killed crew members, uh, which is very sad. But we have another uh, another air, aircraft incident in a movie in American Made. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones shows up in it, which is a terrible part. Where like the Tom Cruise's wife, her like hick brother shows up and oh, yeah. steals money from blows them. It. Yeah. yeah and it blows, yeah. it's the dumbest thing. I'm like, this is so useless. I don't care about any of this. But Caleb Landry Jones is uh, Amanda Seyfried's boyfriend in Twin Peaks The Return. So it was interesting yeah, to I see know. him play the exact same character. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Yep. You're not wrong. Uh, so yes, uh, American Made, I, I do not recommend it in the slightest. I thought it was an absolute nightmare. It's melodrama. Just take it for what it's a TNT movie, Rob. Like blow, it's a TNT movie. Like that's all it is. I am so glad like we are not. Pa- it's something we did not that USA that will blow. show at some point. Tell me on yes. USA. We're recording for, for peak behind the curtain. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon where I am. It's raining. It's playing on USA right now as we speak. <laughs>
That's all it's there for, Rob. It's all oh, it's abs- there for. Absolutely. Play on USA on Sunday on rainy Sundays. Absolutely. So thankfully, we're not diving into that movie anymore. Like I said, though, the spies in it. He tells someone else to be a spy. That's a clever twist, I guess. Even though it was before he was that spy, actually. <laughs> um, but we paired this with we paired Blow. That's going to be our main discussion. With as we said, Suck, which is a vampire movie from 2009, which kind of sucks. <laughs> I, okay. I guess uh, peek behind the curtain. Rob keeps saying we we agreed on pairing this with suck. Yes, it's more like I suggested American Made, and Rob's (laughs) like, no, it sucks. Let's do suck, and I I gave a very passive yes. Yes. So let's leave it at that. As Zach described to me before we started recording, he tried to watch suck. But he had way too much codeine and fell asleep in the yes, middle. Yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> that is 100% spot on. And from what I did see of Sock, I, it seems to have a novel enough premise. It's fine. It's definitely better than American Made. I'll give it that. But that I disagree. There is, there is not – it is pretty basic. This is just the basic episode. We're discussing movies that are very basic. Suck – I guess we'll start with suck because I think I have more to say about blow than I do suck. And I'm going to try and say those words as many times as I can in this recording. I mean the, the premise of suck is that there's this band in Canada that isn't really doing that well and they're doing like the dive bar scene and stuff like that. They're – Bass player, who's the only girl in the band, gets turned into a vampire and uses her vampire powers to get more attention for the band, and slowly she turns the rest of the band members into vampires, and Malcolm McDowell is there as Eddie Van Helsing to kill the vampires, and the movie's a big metaphor for drug use. (laughs) I think that's all I have to say about the premise of Suck. Is that what you gathered from the, the half that you watched? Uh, from what I saw, I, I, I don't know if it was a metaphor for drug use because I didn't really get that far into it. But from what I could tell, it was something about kind of like fame consuming you. And I think that was the whole point of like Alice Cooper's character from what I could tell. Uh, I, I could see where you're getting that. The fame consumes you. I took it a lot more as as drug use because I guess there are some scenes like because the girl becomes the vampire they they take way too long to figure out that she's a vampire or for the band to know about that. So the movie spins its wheels for a while. But then when it's revealed or the rest of the band knows that she's a vampire, we get scenes of, like, other band members going to her and be like, come on, like, I want to be a vampire too. And she's like, no, no, it's not good for you. I wouldn't do that. And it plays, like, 100% as, like, a person going, like, come on, let me try your drugs. And it's like, no, they're bad. And I'm saying that because I, not that drugs are bad. I really like drugs, but I just don't want to give you any of my drugs. And the last scene in the movie is like a hundred percent relapse. Like the oh, is mo- that what it is? yeah, okay. the movie. The movie. They eventually team up with uh, Malcolm McDowell. They kill the vampire from the beginning, who is one of the weirdest looking people in existence. His name is Dimitri Coates in real life. It turns out they kill him. Killing him reverts all their vampirism. The last scene of the movie is the two, the girl and the the guy, the main dude in the movie, Joey Winner, who is also the writer and the director of the movie. They're like wearing the exact same outfit and they're coming from like one of their parents' homes and it's like, wasn't that a great game of Parcheesi we just played? Like they are laying on like how white they are. Like they might as well just be eating mayonnaise and be like, this is good. We are white people. And then 
their car breaks down, Alice Cooper shows up, and Alice Cooper's like, don't you want to be vampires again? And they go, oh, God, yes, we would love nothing more. And the movie ends. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what is this? Is this relapse? It ends so abruptly. The movie is fine, like I said, but I was screaming at my television for most of it because the movie thinks it's clever because they are constantly recreating famous album covers for no fucking reason other than they think it's cute. And I'm sure the first one in the movie, I'm sure you notice that they recreate the Abbey Road album cover with them walking across the street. Of course. And I'm like, okay, like nobody's going to miss that. But then (laughs) they, they do that. They do T-Rex's Electric Warrior. They do Bruce Springsteen's that. Born in the USA. I they do the Rolling that. Stones' Beggar's Banquet. And then they do the that. Who's the Kids Are All Right. And those are the only ones I noticed. And from what I looked up when I was researching it, those are the only five, five anybody else has ever noticed. And while this is happening, I'm like, stop doing this. Is there going to be a reason? Like, you remember in Vanilla Sky when they do the, the, the Bob what, Dylan Rob, album what, Rob, cover? Rob, 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 what movie? Chocolate Horizons? Strawberry Vistas? But I think it was Butterscotch Vistas, I'm pretty sure. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't have my notes for that pulled up of all the ones we did. But I, they do the Bob Dylan album cover, and it makes sense that because he's in his lucid dream thing that they're filling in space, empty space in his lucid dream with things that he knows. There is no reason of them doing this in Suck other than just they're just like, yeah, we can do it. And I'm like, fucking stupid. I hate that shit. Like, don't do that unless it's going to add something to the movie. And that's, like, the whole goddamn point of Suck is that somehow this guy, Rob Stefaniak, knows people in the music industry. He, he knows Iggy Pop. He knows Alice Cooper. He knows Alex Lifeson from Rush. He knows all these fucking musicians. He got them to be in this movie for some reason. And it's literally just him, like, giving himself a blow and a suck with how much he knows about <laughs> the music industry. And it drove me fucking crazy. Like, I don't know if you got to the scene where they have to, like, go from... They have to cross the border from Canada into the United States. Oh, yeah. So yeah, continue. the border guard is Alex Lifeson from Rush, which is great because Alex Lifeson... I love Rush. Alex Lifeson is, like, who I watched a lot to learn how to play 12-string guitar. And literally the whole thing is that Alex Lifeson's like, you, you're, the girl looks like she's on drugs. I don't like drugs. Like, we got to keep America safe and all that stuff. And then they go, we're in a band. And he goes, oh, you're in a band? I was in a band too. You can go through customs with no further discussion. And I'm like, this is, this is so fucking pointless. This is literally Rob Stefaniak wrote, directed, and started this movie to go, look at what I can do with people I know in the music industry. And look at all these, look at, I got these people in my movie so I don't have to pay them royalties so I could put Iggy Pop and Alice Cooper songs in my movie. And it does not make for a good movie. The movie is blowing and sucking itself way too hard for me to appreciate it oh my god rob oh my god rob (laughs) just enjoy it for what it is it was a clever take on a vampire story like keep in mind this came out right during like right before twilight like blew up royally give the movie credit where credit is due I I I know you're mad. I know I you're am mad. mad at yes, it, if, but get, I don't but think it's a clever take. Well, I I that's where I disagree. I do give it some credit because I don't think it's a clever take on the vampire film. I think it's a clever take on the drug abuse film with with vampirism How replacing I... drug addiction. That's what I took from this movie. So, but they did too much stuff that I was just so against. But I do have to say, the cameo that worked best for me, which I don't know, did you get to when they they hang out with the band, the Secretary of Stakes? Yes. Okay. 
the 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 person playing the lead singer of the Secretary of Stakes, who we get to see like grab raw meat that is being thrown at him from the crowd and rub it on his skin, is Moby. And if there was ever a militant vegan in real life, it would be Moby. So this dude somehow got Moby to be the lead singer whose character's name is Beef Yep. for the Secretary of Stakes. And that's the one thing that I could get behind because they were actually doing something interesting like on-screen persona versus real-life persona of a rocker instead of just, well, what do we get Alice Cooper to do? Well, Alice Cooper, he always looked like, you know, this crazy vampire guy. That's what we're going to make him do. And it's just like, no, movie. Be clever. And it was not clever. So even though I did the Moby thing, you, did you find that clever or did you not yes. like that? That's the only thing that I thought was clever. I wish they did it more because the Alice Cooper, they use Alice Cooper as he's always been used in the history of him existing. And then the same thing with Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop has nothing to do the whole movie. He's just like, yeah, I'm Iggy Pop. <laughs> Oh, God, you look at most of, like, Iggy Pop's cameos. That's what he's doing. Even in hardware, oh, yeah. that's essentially what he's doing. But he's a radio disc jockey of that, like, persona. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there is a cameo from Henry Rollins. Well, Henry Rollins, which I'm sure you saw, he's the dude who's, like, he is the radio jockey in this, which for, like, the most of the movie, we just see him speaking into a microphone. And he says something, he's like, you know, you can touch your friends, you can touch yourself, but don't touch that dial and stuff like that. Did you get to the scene where they the band actually gets an interview with him, like, in, in the studio? Uh, no. Okay, that was the one scene that I thought was legitimately funny, because he is just 100% like shock jock leaning into them. And he says something to the band where he's like, why do you, why do you guys call yourself the winners? Like, you weren't a really big band until recently. You know, why are you the winners? And, and the main character, Joey, says something like, we thought it'd be ironic. And Henry Rollins comes back and goes, whoa, big word, Einstein. Pace yourself. Take a moment to breathe. And I'm like, all he said was ironic. <laughs> this is Rock and Roger on the Rock and Roger Morning Show, and I'm sitting here with the winners. Now, what kind of name is that anyway? Uh, it's uh, ironic. Whoa, big word. Pace yourself, Einstein. Try to breathe. Now, you all have been around for a while, and I've heard that there's quite a bit of hype around your show tonight at the festival. Uh, yes, we're, we're very excited about it. Oh, I can tell. It's coming off you in waves. Now, I've been looking at you, and I've been thinking to myself, Rockin' Roger, this group looks neat. That's the word I'd use. You look neat. And for all you people out there in Radio Land, this band is the real deal. They've got that whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll look down. Son, are you wearing pancake or are you actually that pale? He looks like a statue. What? Wow, all that and brains too, huh? You all just released a single. What is it? It's called Suck. I've heard it. It does. Oh! Rock and Roger on the radio coming right to you live. Did you just say our song sucked on the radio? No, I said it on television. We've hidden the cameras. What cameras? <laughs> Kids. You all have to lay off the drugs, okay? This is not rocket science, what we're doing here. They're only questions. And like my mama used to say, it's only rock and roll. But I like it. Say it again. Say what? Hey, be cool. No, no. Do something you're good at. Like sucking. Oh, gotcha two times, Rockin' Roger. And what's up with the makeup anyway? 
We're not wearing makeup, asshole. Vampires. So that that was funny. That reminds oh god, never mind. It kind of reminds me of what was it from that thing you do, the band The Wonders. Oh yeah, sure. And they have their one hit song type of thing. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 I think that's another issue I have with Suck is that it falls into it's a it's another movie with a fake band. The music that they play is not that great, but the movie kind of acknowledges that and they say, you know, oh, they're not popular because they have great music. They're popular because one of the canonical vampire abilities is to seduce people, and that's the idea is that like the band is seducing their fans and stuff like that. I mean, I, I think give this, credit where credit is due. I Rob. am. No I'm giving it credit. Masterpiece, but give it credit. I'm giving it credit, but the scales it does more that I hate than I approve of. So the scales are tipped in the negative direction for me. Oh God, Rob! Oh God, give oh God, a win is still a win. Stop trying to take <laughs> it. Tried to do something. Give it points, participation, and effort. I I am, but it, it's it's still it's like you know. Okay, how about this? I give it a D minus, Zach. I give it a D minus. It <laughs> okay, it's like a C plus movie. Like maybe even B minus because it's trying. It's trying to be different, and I'm willing to give give it attention for that. I I don't know if I unless something horrible happens in that second half that instantly turns me off, like it did with you. I have to say this is probably one of the more inventive horror, horror movies, which I don't even think this is. I think this is some sort of weird offbeat comedy. Yeah, probably, yeah. But, like, it's at least, again, in a time period where the, the vampire genre was about to become, oh, God, uh, pillaged, it, it's doing something. It's doing something different, and that alone probably deserves people who are at least interested in the vampire genre to give it a watch. I will I will agree with you there that if you're into this this vampire type stuff with this music twist and you can get over blatant egregious uses of famous music iconography and character and people then this movie is probably for you. If you just so unless it, you have your head up your butt when it comes to the music industry, <laughs> chances are you'll find this movie slightly entertaining. You know what this actually makes me think of? It, it makes me think of the thing Red Letter Media did with with something. I, I don't know if it was Star Wars or Marvel, but they that that like clip of them circulated where they were like, "I clapped because I recognized it." That is what this movie does for uh, the music industry that I don't appreciate. Gotcha. Because, because it's like there is no purpose. Like I said, the Abbey Road. I think the second most famous one is Bring, Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA," where it's just a picture of Bruce Springsteen's ass and jeans, and he has like the American flag hat in his back pocket. And there's there's no point for these to happen in the movie. Like, it just occurs because that's how they just establish the scene. Like, one of the characters has an American flag hat wearing jeans, and the, the scene just starts with a shot on his ass. And just to recreate that album cover, there's no purpose for it. And so the, I just screams to me that they're going, it's like, look, I know that thing. Isn't that cool that I know that thing? And no, it is not cool that you know that thing. Do it for a reason. Like I said, in Butterscotch Vista or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a purpose to recreating that, the freewheel and album cover. And we learn that purpose later on. Here, I'm just like, please stop it. Please stop it. And in the last scene, that, the last scene in the movie, Alice Cooper's there. Alice Cooper is literally just reciting like 90% of his last end dialogue is titles of his songs. And I'm like, this is the fucking stupidest thing because they're just sucking themselves off that they can do this. And it has no meaning. I don't know, Rob. I, I, I think it deserves a watch, but. Uh, yeah, I think you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I think that's where I got it. I recorded it from. So check that out. Uh, but, but overall, it, was, it, was, it annoyed me more than I appreciated it. I do have to say, which I'm sure that you saw, the young Malcolm McDowell scene was very interesting. 
I did I get to that? I don't remember that. That is definitely in the first half of the movie, and it's when Malcolm McDowell is like it's revealed that his uh, he's chasing that vampire because they like he thinks he killed his girlfriend. Turns out that the girlfriend's still alive at the end, and it literally is like five seconds of screen time that he's like, you killed my girlfriend! And the vampire's like, no, she's a vampire too! And she pops out, he kills the vampire, she's back to not being a vampire. It's just thrown in there. But there is a scene where we get like a flashback, and it's young Malcolm McDowell, like like young, like, you know, Clockwork Orange era Malcolm McDowell, it looks like. And I'm like, oh my god, this looks so good. This can't be like CGI. And apparently they use footage from a 1973 movie called Old Lucky Man that he was in. They just edited in. And I'm like, I appreciate that, that they didn't try and, you know, make it goofy or, or CGI'd or anything, because I'm sure they didn't have the budget for that. They, they, they had the technology or the budget. Yeah, yeah. So I like, but I was, I was shocking to see, but it it stood out to me as like a, a little good bit, I guess. Um, Digi- digitally de-aged Malcolm McDowell. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I also, I did, in, the, in Suck, I did like the miniatures. Like every time we see them driving, and then later on there's a scene where they're flying somewhere. Yeah. The little miniatures, those are cool. I wish they did more with them. But those were neat, I guess. I liked it. I liked that those were used sparingly. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, it was it was really transition shots and stuff like that. Yeah. the The movie does just break out into music videos at certain points. That happens throughout the whole thing. Um, I think the first time is when the main girl gets turned into, or the only girl, I think, in the whole... No, there's two girls in the movie. Um, yes. The, the band girl gets turned into a vampire, and she's, like, spazzing out on the floor on, like, a on like a weird frame rate, and it looks just like a Tool music video we discussed. <laughs> and Rob's like, oh yeah. I mean, the music was total garbage compared to Tool, um, so that I did oh, not appreciate. God. But overall, I, I do agree with you, Zach. If you're into this type of stuff, it's a fine movie to check out, you know? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, though, because I don't think we've ever gotten to talk about it. Like I already mentioned, we get to see Alex Lyson from Rush as that border security guard. Great cameo. I love Rush. Uh, Alex Lyson's probably my favorite member of Rush. His best performance ever, which I will have to put a clip in. I won't put the whole thing in because it is legitimately like four minutes long is from when Rush was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And at the induction ceremony, when Rush gets up to accept their induction, their trophy, whatever the hell they get, Getty Lee goes first, of course. He gives his speech. Neil Peart goes next. He gives his speech. Alex Lyson stands up. And I'm not kidding. For four minutes straight, he gives an entire speech with emotion and with, like, pantomime acting but the only thing he is saying, the only word he is saying is blah, 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 blah. And it goes on so long and it is wonderful. It goes so long to the point where the audience is clearly uncomfortable with what is going on. And it is fantastic that he is like, because of course the famous Rock and Roll Hall of Fame story is that when Guns N' Roses got inducted, Axl Rose was like, everybody can go fuck themselves. They're sucking their dicks at this stupid ceremony. And Alex Lifeson felt the same way, but decided to show up and give a blah, blah, blah speech for four minutes. And it's wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 Blah 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 bl
Everybody check it out. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. I have it like saved from when I saw it back in the day so I can watch it when I need to. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't play him off the stage or anything? No. They let him go, and it gets so uncomfortable. Even Neil Pert and Getty Lear start looking at each other at a certain point behind him going like, what is he doing? <laughs> And for trivia points, Zach, do you know Alex Lifeson's real last name? I do not, Rob. Uh, Alex Zinyinovich. <laughs> you can see why he changed it to Lifeson. Okay, anything else? Do you want to know anything about the second half of Suck, Zach? Do you think you're going to watch it? Not really. Probably um, not. Probably not. It's just, it's fine. I mean, it's... I think the, the, the girl in the band who gets turned into a vampire, that she's played by someone named Jessica Perret. She is good looking but i hate the way she looks once they turn into a vampire like they put the crazy green eyes and she's just totally pale i think all the vampires aren't great to look at i think some other honorable mentions um dave foley shows up playing their manager and he was herb the manager from monkey bone which was interesting to see oh interesting connection there uh, yeah i mean other than that the, the character of Hugo, who's like the, the roadie for the band, he's the one who initially is like covering for the girl being the vampire. And there's a great gag when, you know, she like drinks a dude's blood through a straw in his neck at the convenience store. And then, that was good. And then, he, <clears throat> yeah, and then she gets Hugo to clean it up. And when she goes back into the van, the band, or they don't drive a van, they're in a hearse, of course, because it's a vampire movie. And. They're like, where's Hugo? And it's like, oh, he got a nosebleed. He'll be right back. And Hugo gets in the van covered in blood. Like, that's a good gag because it's like, there's way too much blood from a nosebleed, you know. Oh, God. What else is there? <laughs> Hugo Rob eats a fly. Angry. Did you see the scene where he's like, there's like a bunch of yeah. severed limbs in a bathtub yep. and he eats a fly? Yep. That's going to come up in my snacks. Uh, <laughs> that scene is so strange. Other than that, it's a f it's fine. I think that's the best way to put it. I was really hoping for a more a more immaculate movie than what we got from Suck. But to be fair, it is called Suck. <laughs> exactly. What were you expecting, Rob? Masterpiece. I guess we should say its release date was September 11th, 2009, which also drew was us. Was it really? To... Yes, yes, it was. That also drew me to it, for sure. Um, but it's Canadian. I don't know if Canadians know. Do Canadians know about 9-11? Is that a thing? Uh, probably not. Canadians, right in. Do you know what 9-11 is? Comment down below. <laughs> they go, it's the number that the Americans call to, be, to get put on hold while they, their house gets robbed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anything else that you wanted to say about, about Suck? Uh, not really. Okay. Well, good. So I guess that brings us to Blow. <laughs> good old Blow. Is this the most basic movie in existence, Zach? Blow? Yes, yes it is. It's so basic. It's so straightforward. I mean, just... I feel like I could have just read the plot synopsis. Somebody smuggles drugs for the Medellin cartel. And I'd go, Narcos? And i go, no. And i go, Made in America? No. Blow? Sure. <laughs> I guess the first thing to say about Blow is that it's our second Demi movie in the 2001 Fort year. But not Jonathan Demi, his nephew Ted Demi. Who died of what, Rob? A heart attack. Less than a year than when this came out, died in two, uh, January 2002, while playing in a celebrity basketball game I found in Santa Monica, California, I tried so hard, but could not find who, what other celebrities, I'm putting that in air quotes because Ted Demi was one of them, was in this game. But he's playing in this celebrity basketball game at a school in Santa Monica. He drops dead of a heart attack on the court, 
they do an autopsy or a postmortem, and they find cocaine in his system. <laughs> well, Clint, how else do you get pumped for celebrity basketball? So I, I do have to say, Ted Demi also directed the Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence movie Life, which I've seen once and I enjoyed. I knew somebody back in the, my college years that really liked it, so I watched it with him, and I thought it was fine. Um, he directed one other movie that I didn't write down, but I was not aware of it. Um, but something I did find is that after Ted Demi died, at the following, like, Golden Globes or Oscars or something, there was a presenter who wore a jacket that had Ted Demi's face on the back of it. And I take from this <laughs> of that, course, well, of one, course. it was an homage to Ted Demi or, you know, saying, like, oh, we lost someone too early. It's a very strange way to do that. I would imagine they were friends. That celebrity was none other than Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Did he really? That's what I've read. I couldn't find any, like, images of it, but that's what I read. Uh, that, that was Kevin Spacey's kind of homage to Ted Demi after his death. So Ted Demi, strange as shit. <laughs> Fair. Fair comment to make. He directs this movie. It's based on the real-life George Young, who is played by Johnny Depp. I love the fact that this movie, or the screenplay, is based on the book about the real-life George Young. And the title of the book is... Blow, colon, how a small town boy made $100 million with the metal and cocaine cartel and lost it all. That is the full title of the book, and I do not think they made the right decision in shortening it for the movie. <laughs> I think they should have kept it all in the movie. <laughs> they should have done what they did with Precious, based on the Nile <laughs> Push by Sapphire. <laughs> they should have done Blow, and then the rest of the title, and then based on the novel by whoever... <laughs> Based, based on, on the life of Carl Young. <laughs> I see a title of every movie, Rob. Every subtitle to any movie in existence should be based on a novel pushed by Sapphire. It is. Uh, it would have beaten out uh, – if, if that was the case, it would have beaten out the, the current title for the longest th- movie title we've discussed on Cinemodities. It was when you were not here, Zach, we did Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, <sighs> it's stupid. This is just – Blow. Like, come on. I want all those words in the title. (laughs) But Rob, that title is so sexy, though. It can mean so many things. It is. How could you not? And I think, wasn't this... This had to be around the same time that what Johnny Depp was in another one-word word title movie, Chocolat. Well, that's not one word. Is that? That's not one word. I would love to see Tim Burton just forgot to put a space and Sleepy Hollow gets put as one word. But I think Chocolat was around the same time. Yes. Um, and so things like that. Well, because you brought up Chocolat, do you remember the Simpsons joke where like they're like burning all the cans, like all the towns, like candy supply, and there's like a chocolate Oscar in like oh, yeah. something something of Chocolat, and they're like, and pre- like I forget, like Eddie's like, so chief, he wants to burn uh, this chocolate Oscar from Johnny Depp from Chocolat, and cat, like, cat, oh god, p- please, Captain Wiggum is like, well, we melted for him, now he can melt for us, <laughs> and I'm just like, what does that mean? That's it, boys, burn it all. Even this promotional Johnny Depp from the movie Chocolat, we melted for him, now he's gonna do likewise. All right, time to throw in the Butterfingers. Hmm, it's not even singed. Even the fire doesn't want them. 
I know I butchered that, and maybe Rob can find that clip. I don't know. I know that episode. I don't That's understand. the one where Marge uh, gets all the sh- the sugar companies run out of town, right? Something like that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we there's a one of the gags in that is she's trying to get the petition signed to get like sugar out of Springfield, and she goes to Disco Stew, and Disco Stew does a line of pixie sticks or something like yep, that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember that episode. All the kids are like jonesing and rolling on the playground grass because they don't have any sugar and they're all like we need sugar or something like that i don't know why i remember that episode so well (laughs) i guess rob does remember that yeah oh yeah so how about that direct comparison between blow and suck the movies the music in blow is fantastic and it appropriately uses music I love the fact that we get some great needle drops. We get Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones. We get Rumble by Link Ray and the Raymen, which is the only song in American history that is instrumental and was banned. We get Blinded by the Light by Manfred Mann's Earth Band. We get Keep It Coming Love by Casey and the Sunshine Band. I love, even though this movie is basic as hell, I love just getting to hear great music for the two-hour runtime. <laughs> I find, You don't find that annoying, though? Not as... I, I, no, because this is way better than the modern use of needle drops, where it's actually like playing something that matches with the, the motif of what I'm seeing. It doesn't go on too long. Like, as, as I've said before... The superhero movies don't know how to do this. Either you get Suicide Squad, which is just, well, no, the movie's bad, so let's play music people know. Or you get the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which don't understand what music actually is. They're like, our character has a Walkman, so we can play any song and it'll make sense. And no, they can't. As I've said before, I started watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. They play Mr. Blue Sky by ELO in conjunction with a fight scene. I turned the movie off because that is a fuck. It's not, I'm not saying that like it should be a war crime. It literally <laughs> is a war crime. That movie has been brought up on war crimes for what they did. That's how bad the modern era of using music is. This wasn't the greatest because, of course, you know, Blinded by the Light and Keep a Coming Love, when they use those, it's in those scenes that you expect them to be used. But it's refreshing that it's not egregious and annoying. I That's what I think. It did so, not okay, bother well, me think, at all. Well, I think of 70s music in a film of that era. Mm-hmm. I think of The Departed, like the opening where it's a flashback of like Jack Nicholson, like baby Matt Damon. Sure. And like they have like Jack Nicholson just like strolling through like the, uh, oh God, I don't know if it's like a diner or like drugstore. Yeah. And they have like Give Me Shelter just blaring. To me, that is infinitely more offensive. Than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Oh, oh, I do not agree with that at all. I, I think the 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 use. Well, I think talking about The Departed, I think Martin Scorsese's reliance on Rolling Stones music in his soundtracks—that's <laughs> the offensive part because it's almost like Martin Scorsese has somehow been kept completely unaware that other bands exist. How much he relies on them, it. But at least there's some. There is some match. It might not be a good match, but there is a match. Like, literally, the Guardians of the Galaxy was, they wrote a scene, and they hit shuffle on all of Spotify and picked the first song that came up. Like, there is zero thought 
put into matching music to scenes in any of the Marvel movies, I think. I know. I agree. I don't disagree with that, though. And it's egregious. Like, I, 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 I th- okay, I'd rather have a decision made absentmindedly than just doing it because Rolling Stones. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I see <laughs> where you're coming from, but the like, absent... I agree with you. Like, when, no, I agree with you because like, when Guardians of the Galaxy 1 came out and Rob has told the story countless times, like I was on the hype train for that yes. movie years in advance, and the first teaser was released with Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Swede, and I was just like, ooga shaka, I'm like, I'm on board. <laughs> and then that became the crush for the entire movie and the entire crutch for the second movie, like, I get how that becomes annoying, but the thing about those is that, like, I think James Gunn realized he created a monster with that, so he's just, like, fine. Like, he just gave them probably a list of, like, 200 songs and was pick whatever you want. I don't care. I don't mind a decision made by a production assistant. I hate where it's just, like, oh, 70s, and we're gonna pick the most 70s rock music we can think of. It's like turning on a classic rock station. Like, you know when you turn on a classic rock station, it's gonna be ACDC, the Rolling Stones, Skinner. It's gonna be just like one of those, just like it's like turning on a pop station hearing Ariana Grande. You just know what's going to happen. Sure. I would rather have something random that has no thought put into it than knowing exactly what I'm going to get. And that's just me. Like, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying it's a war crime or not. I would rather have randomness than something made because people are expecting it. And we know we're going to get a positive reaction out of it. Like, like even though you don't like uh, Mr. Blue Sky as the opening to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, at least there's a good chance that like 65% of the audience that went to go see that movie had no idea what that song was. As that opposed is, okay. to they could, very, they could very easily have put Ariana Grande not to keep, ever since the two years since uh, the, our 18th episode. She is still my punching bag. <laughs> um, like, like I would rather have that than picking something they know is going to be a slam dunk. Like, think about it. like as much as we laugh about Guardians of the Galaxy, they could very easily put a post post Malone song there, and they know their stupid ass audience will eat it up. No, I I I completely understand what you're saying. I think when I edit this, this will once again be something I put in the column that we will have to do an entire music episode on. Like when you said six to six of one half done the other when we talked about the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO is one of the most famous songs in the history of humanity. But that is not part of this discussion. But I understand what you're where you're coming from, Zach. I think it should, it's kind of like when we talked about Twin Peaks The Return episode eight in our like Lust in the Dust episode. That is how <laughs> stimulating blow is, is that we automatically go yeah. on a philosophical tangent about some <laughs> other form of media. Yeah. That's yes. how it's folks. If Rob and Zach go off on some tangent about something that's barely related to the core topic, you know we're not particularly fond of what we're talking about. <laughs> Remember, Rob, at the end of the day, it's always good to either love something or hate it because it makes you feel a visceral thing. Absolutely. The worst type of media is the kind that makes you go, eh. That's the worst type of media. Yeah, I yeah, we uh we've said that many times and I, I definitely agree with that. That neutrality is a terrible thing terrible thing <laughs> may i may us get may i get us back on track with blow with a statement to help frame the conversation oh well i think i know what statement it is fear me we know green's behind everything he took your powder not lord john he's been playing games with us and he's playing games with you fear me fear me shut up fear me shut up fear me it doesn't look good shut up Yes, getting warmer, <laughs> but Blow, I'm sorry, the movie Catch Me If You Can, directed by Steven Spielberg, is the fully baked version of Blow. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent, and I, I'm so actually glad you bring that up, because while I was watching Blow for the making my notes, 
for the second time when I was like, okay, you know, I gotta, I can do research while I'm seeing this again. I was really thinking of Catch Me If You Can, and I was like, man, I should watch that again because it's been a while since I've seen Catch Me If You Can, and I thoroughly enjoyed it when I saw it a few times because back in the it's day. almost the exact same movie, except there's not the Tom Hanks character. Yes, and you take the the cocaine out and put put checks and Pan Am in. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You replace the cocaine with checks, and you change pablo escobar with pan american airlines and we get we get a we take out fear me we put in christopher walken yes <laughs> they, they exactly. basically have the same speeches where what in this one fear me ray liotta fear me is like you know money isn't real you know don't worry about money you, there's more important things in life and then what the christopher walken version is um Two mice in a bucket of cream. One of them turns the cream into butter and climbs out. I am that mouse or something like that. <laughs> yes. Like the moral of the story in Blow is that money doesn't buy happiness. The moral to the story in Cash Me If You Can is money does buy happiness as long as you don't get caught like in a French undergarment factory <laughs> trying to forge checks. That, that is, is the, the moral. We, I, that is one of the weirdest scenes. Uh, in Well, it works in Cash Me If You Can because I, like I said, I really like that movie and I think it all does gel together. But I just – I remember the first time I saw that and then on subsequent viewings where there's that time lapse where tom hanks like goes to the french countryside because he's like i know leonardo dicaprio is going to be here and leonardo dicaprio has somehow like he's living in like a check making warehouse like there's multiple machines that are constantly spewing out thousands of checks and i'm like this seems infeasible (laughs) well it's a jarring scene because it comes out of nowhere like we have some really like open-ended scene that concludes the next thing we know is like there's a bunch of french police outside of a warehouse in france and tom hanks is like so he's in there they're like yeah we have it all like corned off he's not getting out he goes in just like like you know he's gonna get caught and then we have Mm -hmm. a 10 minute sequence of tom hanks convincing him to turn himself in even though it's a fait accompli how the scenes could end it's it's a very unnecessary redundant sequence and it doesn't add anything to the film sure and i'm pretty it sure all in that scene the run time because it's like a two and a half hour long oh movie. yeah ab- absolutely um but i i also i'm pretty sure i remember in that scene where leonardo dicaprio with his machines that are like literally spewing checks out into the air he is like scrooge mcducking them like they're gold coins oh, yeah. where he's like he's like throwing them up and bathing in them and he's like you can't catch and doesn't he have like tom hanks is like the all the whole He's like, the whole French police force has gathered to catch you. And, and Leonardo DiCaprio's like, no, they're not. You're lying. <laughs> oh, it's you such, might be right. It's such I might a be weird scene. <laughs> yeah, you, I might be misremembering this. There might not be a thousand police outside. That's actually a line of die. That's a lie that he tells Leonardo DiCaprio. Excuse me. I am okay, wrong. Okay, okay. I, I thought, like, yeah, okay. But it's still, like, how the scene is framed before he goes in, Tom Hanks, it's conveyed as a fait accompli that yeah, like, it's over, I, like the jig is up. I remember that as well. Absolutely. Okay. I, yeah. You know what's so weird about this? You know what's weird about this movie? Like you have the same father characters. You have yep. the same like matriarch characters. that have like a disdain for their son and move on with their life. <laughs> yes. Uh, that want basically disown their sons. Very similar stories. Like, like there's a really weird parallels here. Like really like – and I think the overall thing that I took away from this movie and also catch me if you can is that like – we were all born too early because, like, if we were born like fifty years earlier, Rob, I think we would have made a fortune just conning the system. <laughs> because it was so easy in the sixties and seventies to con people because everybody was just so like gullible. Yep. It had this like leave it to Beaver like sort of honesty and just eagerness to like swallow anything. 
You could literally con the world out of millions by putting in just the barest of efforts. And nowadays, you literally have to jump through a billion like, hurdles to, like, steal a Big Mac from someone. Yeah, do- doesn't Leo just, like, print a diploma and he gets a job as a doctor in Catch Something Me If You like Can? Something like that. <laughs> like, he literally, like, takes a diploma, like, erases somebody's name and, like, writes his own, like, crayon. He's like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> And oh, it's like God. Amy Adams is like, don't you need to see the guy who broke his leg and he almost like vomits and he like yeah. takes full cash and runs away from Martin Sheen. Yes. Oh God. You're not a Lutheran? I remember that line for something. When he's like, <laughs> when he's like, he's like, we gotta get out of here because he's like, they're running his tail and he has like the suitcases full of loose cash and he's yep. like quickly explaining everything to her. And at the end, he's like, we gotta go. He's like, we'll meet up somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, I remember she's like, out of, after hearing all of that stuff, she goes, you're not a Lutheran? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? We have to leave. <laughs> Brenda, you love me, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd love me no matter what. Yeah. I mean, you'd love me whether I was sick or whether I was poor, even if I had a different name. Frank, where'd you get all that money? Brenda, listen. A name, right? A name, it doesn't matter. My name is Frank Connors, right? That's who I am yeah. with you. But, but we, we all have secrets. You know, sometimes when I travel, I use the name Frank Taylor. That, that's my secret. Frank Taylor? Yeah, Frank Taylor, you know? Frank Black, you know? Oh, it, Frank Black? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Why are you saying all this? Brenda. Brenda, I don't want to lie to you anymore. All right? I'm not a doctor. I never went to medical school. I'm not a lawyer or a Harvard graduate or a Lutheran. Brenda, I ran away from home a year and a half ago when I was 16. A 15-year-old Amy Adams. She, I think it's like a child. Yeah. yeah Doesn't she have, uh, I think she's the one with braces, right? Yep. yep. Oh, she's God. like 15 years old. What a yep. weird movie. What a good movie, it's, but weird movie. <laughs> it's, I think it's one of those movies that if we looked at, like it's, oh, God, Rob, we should really do this as a series. Like taking popular movies that have been weirdly forgotten in 20 years. There might be a series maybe for 2022. Like we go back 20 years and we pick like just four random movies that were popular that haven't really like don't really exist anymore in the pop culture zeitgeist. Yeah. And just be like, this is like, this is a good, like an objectively good movie, but it's very odd at the same time. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that fits our, uh, our purview perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catching you can. Great movie. Just odd. Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. Like it's very odd at times. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch that again. God, the the title of this episode is gonna be crazy. Suck and blow and American made and catch me if you can. It's gonna be called <laughs> "Suck me if you can if you can." <laughs> Suck me if you can, or blow me if you can. Oh man! So you you actually bring up something I did want to talk about with blow the the women. Very similar female characters, at least in the, the the mother, like you said. There's not a lot of women in Blow the movie, but it's like three. Yeah. And I love interest one, love interest two, and mom. Yes, and I found it. I found it interesting that literally all of the women in his life rat him out, except for the one who dies of cancer early on. Yes. So it's like literally, like the mother is like, well, one, I I don't know. Going back to something Zach loves to talk about, the, the intent of it. I don't know if it's supposed to be played for laughs, but when the mother first rats uh, Johnny Depp out to the police, he's, like, being put in the back of the cop car, and the mother is standing on the lawn going, It's so embarrassing! Everybody knows you're a drug dealer! Everybody knows! What do you think that means for me? I'm so embarrassed! And I'm like, if you're this embarrassed about it, why are you screaming it on your fucking front lawn? (laughs) Like, why'd you call the cops to your house? What? What was I supposed to do? Jesus Christ, What is in our house? Shut up. What, was I supposed to be an accomplice? 
You, you don't think people know you're a drug dealer? Everyone knows you're a drug dealer. It's no secret. How do you think that reflects on me? Every time I go out, I'm humiliated. So you go to jail. It's for your own good. You need to straighten your life out. I don't know if it's played for supposed to be laughs or not, but I thought it was pretty funny. And then Penelope Cruz rats him out when she's like trying to hump him as he's driving. And that's a very strange scene. And I'm like, every I'm like, women are his downfall, except for the one who died. And I guess the movie's trying to imply that she would have been his downfall too, but cancer got to her first. Like, I think the the women are not good. What Ted Demi is trying to tell you is that unless you die young, you will be disappointed in life. (laughs) Do you think he took that too close to heart? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, not everyone does a thing of cocaine before. Well, you can ask Dennis Robin when it's like you do cocaine before a basketball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh God! So uh, I did find it interesting, like the women in this movie. It's, I mean, other than that, you know, it's like that basic stuff. The whole plot is Johnny Depp becomes a drug dealer, starts with weed, moves up to cocaine, gets involved with the Medellin cartel. Cliff Curtis shows up as Pablo Escobar. I, 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 I hate to say this, Zach, but Cliff Curtis is Ewan McGregor's non-shining friend in Doctor Sleep. You remember him? <laughs> The one who gets yeah, killed and kills himself yeah. by the power of suggestion. But other than that, this movie is so basic. I do have to say, it's not basic to the point that I, like, hated it. I did hate, like, the last 20 minutes when it gets really sentimental, though. Like, I was, it I gets, did not enjoy okay. that. This is, this is, maybe we'll get into this more with, like, late night movie. But I watched this with someone. Okay. And they started to cry in the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> and I was just kind of, like abhorred i'm like really like him hallucinating his his daughter there yeah i'm just like it's like in johnny depp is just like sleepwalking through it high on cocaine himself as he filmed this mm-hmm. i'm just like really i'm like this it's like it, i don't care like at no point in this movie did i care like i wanted to see a movie based on paul rubin's character oh like yes. every single time he was on screen i'm like i want this character like I want to know everything he's doing because he is the most interesting character in the film. Like when they're describing him, the first lo- the cancer girlfriend, yep. and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Um, he's describing it from the girlfriend. He's like, "Oh, this guy like owned blah 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 like, a bunch of restaurants. The first like like hair salon owned by a man." Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Oh, it's Paul Rubens in the horrible wig." And I'm like, <laughs> "I want that movie. Like, give me that movie, Hollywood. Like, I get it. In 2001, that wouldn't have flown." But by all means, like Paul Rubens having like a, like a renaissance, like much like the McConaughey's were having a Rubensance, like I want that. Give me that movie. Oh, I was so into Paul Rubens' character. I, one one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when what Johnny Depp's partner, he's his name is Diego in the movie, but I was reading that he's based on like the guy from the Medellin cartel. I think Letterer is his name, and Diego ends up in jail. So Johnny Depp just has all this cocaine he has to do something with. He goes to, to Derek – Derek for real is his name, Paul Rubin's character. The cocaine's purity gets tested by a completely unrecognizable I, Bobcat Goldthwait. I, know, I didn't even know that was him. Like, I, it was insane. I saw him in the opening credits and I was watching for him the whole movie and I had to look it up afterwards because I was like, where's Bobcat Goldthwait? And it, it looks nothing like him as the guy testing the purity of the cocaine. But I love that scene because – 
he he's like Paul Rubin says something like, "Oh wow," he's like, "You know, this is really good cocaine," and he's like, "What do we do with it?" And Johnny Depp says, "Sell it," and he's like, "It's gonna take me a year to sell this cocaine." A SpongeBob title card pops up that goes thirty six <laughs> hours later, and they're going, "We got rid of it all. We sold it in a day and a half." And I'm like. I want to see Paul Rubin moving coke through his hair salon. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's weird, but this movie chooses to glaze over. Yes, yeah. It because I feel like for some reason it wants to get to the sentimental stuff, and it, it's not. That's not what I want to see. That's not what anybody wants to see. I think. But that's, but like, that's the weird thing that this movie's trying to do. It's trying to have its cake and eat it too. Sure. It's like, oh, we want you to have empathy for our main character, whose name I'm just gonna call Blow. He's our main character. I don't know what his name is. He's he's like the whole time I'm watching this. I was watching with. I'm like, oh, like, so, like I go use the bathroom. I'm like, what happened to Blow? And she's like, you mean George? I'm like, no, he's Blow. He's it's kind of like. <laughs> I like, was the Mel Gibson movie with Homer or Homer Simpson where he calls him what uh, payback? Yes. He's like, would, pay, would payback have put up with that? No. Um, Johnny Depp's <laughs> character is blow in this movie. Yeah, it's just like I, blow. It's like they want us to feel sorry for him, and not that like I have no problem with anyone who sells drugs. Like I, I'm I, again, it goes back to the Sicario dilemma, sure. where it's like it's like oh god, was it Benicio del Toro says that he's like you're not gonna fight this, you're not gonna be able to beat this problem, so you convince the people that are buying it to stop. Yeah, he goes we we can push back on on the dealers. They're never gonna go away until demand goes away, and that's where I'm just like I don't feel bad for this character. But you're having – like I don't feel sympathy for him because you're having a hard time. And you're taking someone like me who's already predisposed to like a drug dealer, and I'm just like I don't care what happens to him. Mm -hmm. Like it's that Wolf of Wall Street thing again where it's like they have so much freaking money. It's like get out while you're ahead. And then like we have that scene where like – I kind of loved it. Like I started laughing maniacally where like he goes to what – is it Columbia where the bank is or is it – Nicaragua. I th I think it might be Nicaragua, but they then they mention Noriega later on, which makes me think it's Panama. <laughs> yeah, wherever the bank is, they're like, "Oh, we don't have your thirty million dollars because it was nationalized by the government." I started laughing hysterically. <laughs> I just started dying. I'm just like, "Oh, that's a great way." Like outside of the bank burning down, like that is maybe the funniest way to like. What's the word? Pull the rug out from a character. Sure. Like, I sure. love that. Like, that is up there. Like, just like all the ways to have like a, a character's like fortune just kind of like dissipate in the thin air. I love it. It's like, oh, what happened? Nationalize the banks. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> like, unintentional brilliance. Um, I know this is based on real life stuff. And I didn't research to see if that's actually what happened. I could see it happening. I'm not sure. surprised if it did or didn't. But I just love it as a story beat. I love it so much. Like that's the sort of stuff that like I found joy in. And then like we go back to him. Like we then we like after that line of dialogue is said, and I'm like pissing myself last laughing for five minutes. We still are doing like a, like a very slow zoom in on Johnny Depp's face. And I'm like fuck you, movie. Yeah. I'm like I'm like he's not that handsome. And good lord, can we can we do say that like when it came to like the Oscars in 2002 or whatever this is, had to be this had to be yeah. qualified for the Oscars in 2002. That um Johnny Depp's wig was deprived of an Oscar nom. <laughs> like like there has not been a better wig in the history of cinema since Nicolas Cage's in Drive Angry. Oh god, and that that wig is both of these wigs are working overtime. <laughs> they are they literally like both of them need like spinal reconstruction surgery because they had the entire weight of the film on them. <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, it is. That was something I was like my eyes were glued to on the screen was his hair in this movie. <laughs> 
which is even stranger considering that like Johnny Depp is an actor that I don't think is balding currently and he definitely like he has nice hair like when he actually washes it once every decade <laughs> sure um with, with like, not with wine he usually washes it with wine when he washes or, it with actual or, water <laughs> or olive oil he just drives olive oil on it and he's like that this will this will sanitize it oh god yeah it's it's something his the hair in this movie is something for sure like, it's so jarring like every oh, yeah. character in this movie like the wig budget must have been insane <laughs> Like you look at the line items on the budget, and it's like like wigs, thirty five million dollars. It's like wow, like it's all on the screen though. Oh, Every ab- absolutely, on the absolutely. Speaking of jarring, something in this movie jarred me horrendously. The movie expects us to believe that Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz give birth to Emma Roberts. Yes, 100%. that is that is the most unbelievable thing. <laughs> They give birth to the whitest little girl in existence. <laughs> Apparently, it's Emma Roberts' first film, though. I mean, she doesn't have yep. much to do other than be angry at Johnny Depp, you know? She has – she uh, – the problem is that she, there's two things. There's two detriments to her. Or there's one benefit and one detriment to her character. The detriment is she talks like a 30-year-old. Sure, sure. Her, the few lines of dialogue she has, she talks like a – disgruntled woman yeah angry her father they try to like 30s. adult her up type of thing yeah you know? and that does and that doesn't work the thing she has probably one of the best scenes in the whole movie is like he's panning through and he's like i disappointed every he's like i disappointed my parents i don't care i was on top of the world i don't <laughs> care but what i do care about is disappointing her and like there's a pretty good scene like from a distance of her like on like a park bench outside their house which why not <laughs> and like that was good because you can see like a level of anguish in her face as a child i'm like okay that's hard like getting facial acting out of a child's pretty hard to do so like i'll give yeah. the i'll give the movie a point for that i mean that's why she went on to be nancy drew right <laughs> and uh oh god what's the tv show she was in on nickelodeon Ooh, i would have to look it up i do not declassify no not declassified oh god oh god uh oh my gosh she was on a tv show and that's how i first got to know her then i knew she was like julia roberts like niece and i'm like the uh, emma, emma roberts power hour is that what it's called is that what it's called? I could only hope what it's called. I have to look it up. Uh, she's the main role in 41 episodes of Unfabulous, according yes, to the internet. that's what it is. I have never heard of that. And she was also in uh, the TV show I liked that got canceled on Fox, Screen Queens. Oh, oh, that's As right. Chanel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Okay, okay. Chanel Oberlin. She was good. Like, she's playing a very typical character in that. She's playing, like, the mean girl. Um, but she's fun. She's okay. fun in that. okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have any problem with Emma Roberts. Uh, I I agree with you that even even as like a kid actor, she doesn't have much to do in this movie, so there's not um, enough for me to get like angry about it. In it's just the fact that the movie wants us to believe that Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz have the whitest little girl daughter. <laughs> is the movie implying because there is a scene where Penelope Cruz is doing coke while pregnant that that her being them giving birth to the whitest little girl is a birth defect i okay this is probably a personal story that i shouldn't tell on the podcast but this is like my mother would be proud of me okay one of my family members is married to a woman that she doesn't look like penelope cruz but she's italian and has very similar features a very similar complexion hair of a mediterranean type female and and she's married to someone that has very similar features to myself and johnny depp as in very similar complexion hair color Mm -hmm. and both of their children are white skinned and blonde hair and blue eyes 
<laughs> okay. And nobody can figure out how that happened twice, never mind once. <laughs> and there's been stories in the family about how that could happen in a certain way. I'm just saying. Okay, and now I'm we know just it's it's a use of cocaine. White powder will turn your children white. That's our Cinemodities PSA for the day. <laughs> I uh, no comment. Yeah, I without condoning or condemning said remark from Rob. No comment. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Oh God, I I did find that very jarring that it's Emma Roberts, but uh, I think now we we have some some reality check in here. I do have to say the the shot uh, on the topic of them having the kid, the shot of Do- Johnny Depp like tweaking out and having the heart attack in the delivery room, that was pretty hard. Yeah, I love that. I like that because he oh, really? looks legit. I did love it. Is I love what I said. that. I thought, no, I just I mean, but you found it like jarring and like haunting. Haunting, definitely, because he oh, looks like he's laughing. legitimate. Oh, no, I'm, I'm he's laughing at the out. scene, but he looks like legitimately messed up. <laughs> I know he was tweaking out, and I loved it. Like I found that hilarious. When he falls, absolutely, and the doctors like leave her to rush to him. <laughs> that's yeah. definitely funny. But his look in that is like God, Johnny Depp. Like that's you do not look good for real. <laughs> That's how Amber Heard found him half the time. Guys, uh, that's what the internet wants us to think. <laughs> it does. I mean, other other than that, this movie, uh, Ray Liotta, fear me, he's fine. He doesn't have much to do. They just keep dyeing his hair grayer and grayer as the movie goes on. Um, his mom is even, Johnny Depp's mom is even like a total bitch to him at the very end when he wants to go see dying Ray Liotta to, to tell him, I do fear you, Dad, I do fear you. Um, but the mom won't let him out of prison. That's messed up. But once again, that adds to that, it's just, it gets so sentimental. And I think at something you got it earlier, there was a point where I agree with you. I said to the movie, like, this movie can go fuck itself. It's when Johnny Depp realizes he's going to get busted at the end. And he says to, like, the other guys, he's like, let's do it. And the DEA agents burst through the door in slow motion. And they're like, there's a spotlight on Johnny Depp's face and it just hangs on him. And I'm like, no, 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 no movie. <laughs> I don't know, Rob. Like, that's a thing. It's just like, I, 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 <laughs> like that. I, 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 I didn't mention my contacts for this. Like, that's. The oh, thing yeah. Too, that, like, that's, yeah, sure. I'd mentioned mine. Uh, I, I don't I thought I had seen it and I didn't. Um, so what what time was the showing when you saw this at, at eight, nine years old, Zach? <laughs> I did not see this movie until I forget when I saw it. I didn't see this until I was an adult. But what happened was I was always aware of this movie because this was a time in my life. I think I said 2001 was when I became like kind of like obsessed with movies. And so when this came out on DVD, it was like a big DVD success. And I remember like like we get like all these advertisements in the mail for like Circuit City, Best Buy. Okay. And what I would do was like I would clip out the little like movie DVD like pictures and I would like just make like little collages with them. And this was one I always remember. Like, I, like when I think of this movie, I think of – Johnny Depp and Penelope Cruz like lying against the wall and there being piles of money between them. Yeah. That is like the DVD art, and that's exactly what I think of when I think of this movie. And then like I remember even like very early on, like my brother, my youngest brother, George, had a deep, uh, laptop and or yeah, it had to be a laptop. And like one of the few DVDs that he bought, not for my nephew, but for him self, was Blow. So I remember him just like always having this DVD on him. Okay. And that's how like I was always aware of it. So like I've been aware of this movie since like practically its existence was like its inception mm-hmm. but i didn't watch it until much later in life 
And I remember when I did watch it, I think I enjoyed it because I just didn't know any better. <laughs> sure. But like rewatching it a second time, I'm like, yeah, this is just like it's it's dumb. Like it's just like there's nothing in this movie you can't get from other movies. Yeah. Like, like I yeah. like I said, like there's nothing this movie has that you can't get from Wolf of Wall Street and Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Like you said before, Catch Me If You Can being the fully baked version, hundred percent. I agree with that. I'm even trying to think of some of the things that like you know were just weird. You know, not akin to the Emma Roberts thing, but like we get that scene where what Johnny Depp introduces the cartel people to the the pilot. And for some reason, there's a woman there that's getting angry and slaps the dude. He slaps yep. her back, and then he's, like, holding her in a bathroom or something along those lines. Yeah. And I'm watching that, and I couldn't put my finger on, like, where I'd seen that before. But the whole time I'm seeing that, I'm watching it, and I'm going, like, I've seen this before, and I've seen it done better. In the way yeah, that at well, least it's going to make me laugh. Yeah, I mean, that probably wasn't exactly what I was thinking of. But I'm like, this is something that seems so familiar that I think, once again, they're trying to go for laughs. But it's just like, why are we seeing this? type of thing well yeah because you always need that scene like how they good like in any sort of these movies you always have to see like how they're going to transport the money sure you always see that sequence and yet like in wolf of wall street you have that moment where like you have oh god john barenthal margot robbie jonah hill and the wife of john barenthal with leonardo dicaprio and it's like jonah hill being like we don't work for you man yes you do honey you got your boob my money tipped to your tits and like that is infinitely more interesting than mm. this where like it's that like nothing happens it's just like a guy yep Yep, absolutely. It's just like again, no, nothing really happens. <laughs> yeah, the the movie, like you said, it, it glosses over so much stuff, and then when it slows down, it's on the family aspect, and I don't like that. I don't care about his family. <laughs> That's the thing. It's weird. Like they want to care about his family, yet you have like a sleepwalking Johnny Depp throughout this movie. Yes, absolutely. Oh God, and I, I mean even. The uh, his what Diego his friend you know he he has nothing to do even though he's like the cartel member that I was mentioning before the famous person from history he has nothing to do that that scene when he's they're both out of jail and he's like talking to Johnny Depp and his his other partner about how they're gonna you know move cocaine under women's clothing and stuff like that at the airport uh, he's he has this like really weird nasally voice I'll have to put the clip in because I can't do it but it's like things are getting tense and Johnny Depp says something like. He's like, Diego, what is this? I didn't come here to talk about clothes. And the guy's like, the deal's off. The other guy's like, the deal's off, whatever. And whoever plays Diego is like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he cuts into them with a very weird nasally thing. And I'm like, okay, <clears throat> Diego, what the fuck is going on here? The guy's talking about clothes. You pull me all the way down here. You talk about fucking clothes. I demand to know everything. And then I charge $600,000 worth of coke to someone I don't know. It's 15 fucking kilos. I piss 15 kilos. Hey, 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 gentlemen, please. Hey. There's no need to be unpolite, okay? <laughs> it's like in classical music when they would put loud notes in to wake the audience up. I'm like, are they doing this just to remind me that I'm watching a boring movie? Because <laughs> it's that. It's the thing with the woman. It's the, the little girl talks like the adult near the end. Like, it's all this stuff to, like, to you know, stimulate me to be like, oh, wait, no, there's more movie going on still. It's very weird. It takes Penelope Cruz 65 minutes to show up. Like, I was watching this movie, and I'm like, I know Penelope Cruz is in this. <laughs> She's somewhere. She's somewhere. And then when she does show up, they, they make eyes at each other. She does the line from Vanilla Sky where she says, now we're both cats in another life, so let's have BDSM sex, and there's a montage of that for a little bit. Yep. And I'm just like, once again, I'm just jarred awake, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the movie's still going on. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. Like, I, I guess this is what you felt like when you drank all your codeine and fell asleep during Suck multiple times. Yep. <laughs> well, even the scene, like, where he first, like, goes up to her reminded me very much of, like, Barry Lyndon. Of, okay. like, when you have, um, 
oh my god, the, the guy from Love Story go up to uh, the oh god, Ms. Linden, and you have that sort of like sexual confrontation like on the tre- uh, uh, trellis. Mm-hmm. It's like it reminded me of that, like kind of like the forbidden love between like yeah prominent families, like like an underclassman like coming into that like royalty, and it's like okay. But, like, I don't care. Like, Penelope Cruz isn't a character in this. She's just, like, a cardboard cutout that yells in Spanish. Yes. In broken English. Yes. Do you know when this was filmed in relation to Vanilla Sky? Because I know they were both 2001. It had to be before. So, was she's... I'm pretty sure in Vanilla Sky we talked about how she was was doing her lines phonetically. Yeah. Yeah, she was parroting dialogue. It had to be the same thing. Because it's the same sort of, like, like talking. She's just kind of sitting there, yeah. That is so strange to me. <laughs> I know. That's like having to do that is so weird. <laughs> yeah, they, they clearly liked her, though. I like how if you look like an INDB, like how it has her credited, it's like Penelope Cruz credited as Penelope without the accent, Mark Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I know. I know better going forward now. Damn. <laughs> what a How far she's come to get the accent. <laughs> People weren't ready for the accent mark in 2001. Yeah. Now they are. Yeah. I mean, this it's a basic movie. It's it's so it's so bland. It's like I said at the start exactly what you'd think about if you had like a another like, you know, Metal and Cartel movie, which how much can you really do with the Metal and Cartel? I guess that's something to say like I mentioned to start with American Made. It's the same story as Blow except they throw the CIA thing in there. But how how much further can you twist it? Like I know Narcos, the Netflix show is popular. I've never seen any of it, but that's the same premise of Narcos. It's just from the side of the cartel rather than the um the white dude or the American that tries to, you know, smuggle for them and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, it's just like a you can't expand on it, you know? I'm I don't even want to say it's creatively bankrupt because there's nowhere to go. It happened. It happened this way, and you're done with that story. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's like you probably could do some stuff with it, but you have to take some creative license with it. Yes, a- absolutely. Like you'd have to inject some some fanciful. Well, I say fantastical probably is the better word. Elements to make it interesting or something like that, and really just go hard in like the historical fiction or something along those lines. Which is, well, it's just like I was saying earlier, that's what American Maid tried to do and it bothered me. So. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Yeah, I mean, uh, what else in this movie? Uh, Ethan Suplee is in it for 10 minutes. He asks a little girl in Mexico where to get marijuana, because isn't that funny? Uh, then he dis- his name is Tuna in the movie. He disappears. He, he, you're right, he just disappears. Yeah, and they, they even throw in the line of dialogue where it's like, after after Barbie got cancer and died... All those people left the movie. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, okay. It's, yeah, Tuna just disappears. It's like, and he also had a fantastic wig. Yes, and he was trying to do an accent as well, doing the uh, the, the Massachusetts accent or something while they're out in California. Oh, um, it's it's clunky. It, it is it, it horribly is. clunky. It is the only good. I I mean, like you said, Johnny Depp is asleep. Ray Liotta's just always Ray Liotta. He's not on Chantix yet, so he's still screaming "Fear me" at everybody. Uh, the mothers. The, the biggest bitch, you know, half the time she's like, she's like, oh, look at the ring. It must be so expensive. I love money, you know, and it's, she's like basically gold member for certain parts of this movie. <laughs> and gold and, member. <laughs> and then, and then uh, most of the characters disappear. Even Paul Rubens, he's, he's said like off screen that he sets up the thing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. He sets up, he disappears for the second act. Yeah. And it... Focuses so much on Johnny Depp, and he's just so uninteresting in this movie, except for the wig. It's just, that's all I'm looking at. 
It's a movie, I guess, Zach. <laughs> Does it blow? I don't think it blows, but it is blow. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. That's the problem. It's fine. Yeah, just like Suck. It's fine. <laughs> two mediocre movies about two very different things. Yep, yep. I mean, I'm trying to even think of what else I had. I, I just, it's it's fine. <laughs> I think what's interesting about this movie is like it wasn't like a huge success. Like it did, it did okay. It did fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did it? Did it? Was it up for any awards or anything? Do you know when it came uh, around at I, the uh, at the Oscars or whatever? I don't know. I think this was released early. Yeah, this was released in April two thousand one, so it was not an awards contender. Okay. Um, from what I can tell, it didn't get any any sort of awards attention. It wasn't that type of movie. Like, yeah, like it came out, like it had like a fifty three million dollar budget. It made fifty million dollar fifty three million dollars in the U S. And probably made it probably broke even in like box office receipts and probably made all of its profit in on home video. Okay. And okay. it probably sold well on home video. If I had to guess, it probably sold really well. It's like a rental. Because this is probably something that Blockbuster probably just like shoved up everybody's ass in two thousand one. Okay, according to according to Something close to the Bastion of Truth, the IMDB website, not the fat, not the uh, the the trivia section, but apparently Blow was nominated at the 2002 Yoga Awards. Don't know what that is. In two categories: the worst Spanish actress for Penelope Cruz, and worst foreign costumes and makeup: colon every wig used in good. the film. Good. good. And it won good. both. Good, good. I'm glad there's justice <laughs> in this world. That's good. Penelope Cruz was also nominee, nominated at the MTV Movie Awards for Breakthrough Female Performance. Of course. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I never saw this, like I said before, but I definitely had known about it. I'm not really sure why. Um, I guess maybe through the lens, lens of Johnny Depp is when he got more popular as we were growing up in the mid-2000s. Maybe I knew about this movie or maybe I saw it on like a TV listing somewhere or something like that. But overall, I don't know. I feel I feel like this is kind of a bummer of an episode. The movies everybody should watch are the ones that we aren't focusing on, like Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I they don't need to do any more of these movies, these drug runner movies. I think, I think this is, I, I kind of guess what I'm getting at with that idea is that we don't need it. We don't need more of these types of movies. Like we don't need any more war movies. Like, I feel like when I've seen one, I've seen them all type of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess that's my, that's my, my final thought on drug running movies. We don't need them anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I even, I'm looking at like Roger Ebert's review of this and he gave like a two and a half out of four stars. And he's just like, yeah, and he's like, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, for all the glory of his success and the pathos of his failures, he never became a person interesting enough to make a movie about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The appearance of Ray Liotta. Fear me. He he doesn't really Remi get feared in this movie, though, which I also uh, don't like. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, reminds us of Scorsese's Goodfellas, which took a much less important criminal and made him an immeasurably more interesting character. Oh, yeah. Same for Scarface with Al Pacino. Has so much style that he makes George Young look like a dry goods clerk, which essentially he was. Take away the drugs, and this is the story of a boring life in wholesale. <laughs> which is exactly how you described this movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did read that the real George Young, because the movie ends with saying like he's going to be able to get out of prison in 2015. Yeah. Uh, he actually got out of prison in 2014. So, yep. Look at that. Uh, I don't know what he's doing now. I think what you just said sums it up perfectly. I'm not that interested. <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay. 
Okay, Ryan, I have a question to ask you. What, yes. You know you don't like American Made. Which film is the more entertaining? Like on a visceral level, it's like a film-going experience. Mm, uh, I'd have to go with American Made because you have so many scenes in that it's movie. Goofy. It's goofy. It's a goofy movie. No, I don't even know if I'd call it goofy. I was going to say that there are scenes that are clearly uh, shoehorned in there because Tom uh, Tom Cruise wants to be an action star. Like there's one where he like crashes a plane on somebody's lawn and oh, like yeah, escapes yeah, yeah, from yeah. it. There's a lot of scenes where he's just doing crazy shit like, you know, he's he's this great pilot and, you know, all, the cartel when they're trying to get him to run drugs for him, there's like this whole set piece where they're like, "Oh, everybody we try and have run drugs, they can't get out of this uh this air, this airstrip or it's not really an airstrip, you know, it's just basically because like it's just a dirt road and they're using it as a mm-hmm. runway and it's like all of our pilots keep dying because they can't launch their planes because the runway is too short but then tom cruise is the only one who's good enough to do it and there's so many scenes where it's like tom cruise is like i want to do this i do my own stunts you know that type of thing and at least those are entertaining because you can watch them and be like okay there's a plane crash that's kind of fun to watch and then tom cruise is like he, he crashes the plane all the cocaine busts open he's covered in white powder and he's just throwing money at like the people on the lawn and like steals a kid's bike that's at least interesting so I have to give it to American Made for that reason. But I still think that's the worst, worst movie of the two. Um, I think it's funny that, like, I remember one of my things I remember for American Made that was funny was, that, like, his wife in that is, like, 21 years younger than him and looks even more older. He looks even more older than she does. Oh, like, yeah. She looks, she looks like she's 20. He looks like he's, like, 55. And I'm just like, God damn it. I'm like, Tom Cruise, I know you want to have a young, like, <laughs> like, like, wife character, but damn. Damn, there's a point of no return. Yes, a- absolutely. Um, it's that that is definitely strange, and she's all upset when they they have to like run out of Louisiana to go live in in down Hicksville to get him off the grid or whatever. I, but I think both of them are pretty just like it's like I said before, it's the same story. There's not much to do with this story. Okay. But this is my defense. I will give I, – I like American Made more even though it's a pretty – again, like story would kind of been there, done that. But at least there's there's charisma with Tom Cruise. Say what you will about him being action star man. He at least has charisma. Johnny Depp is a void of charisma in this movie. I will totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> That's the thing. Rob's like, oh, Blow is better, but you, but if you had to pick one, American Made is the more entertaining film. I'm like, That's so weird to say. Gave me such a American Made gave me such a headache. I was so annoyed by that. I, once again, it's it's not real. I don't really I'm not a huge fan of Tom Cruise. I'm not against Tom Cruise. I think it's more of the 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 Doug Lyman stuff because he's the, he directed American Made. Doug Lyman can't make a movie that doesn't have isn't a production nightmare. Yeah, he I, cannot make a movie that does, like you. Like, I can't wait for like the documentary we get in, like ten fifteen years about Doug Lyman's career that he cannot make a movie that gets off the ground in one piece. Yeah, and I feel like he he never knows of the movies of his that I have seen. He never knows what movie he's making. He wants it all to be like shaky cam snap zoom action stuff and it doesn't work when tom cruise is sitting in a room like on a couch talking to cartel members and you get like edits to a close-up of tom cruise's face where they're like we want to move this many kilos and then it's shaky cam right on tom cruise's face and i'm just like oh my god i'm getting motion sickness it's like why they're just sitting on a fucking couch like plant the camera somewhere (laughs) Uh, did you ever see live die repeat no i don't think so 
or I'm sorry, Edge of Tomorrow, which is what it's titled. Yes, that's what the studio course. wants to keep calling it. Live, Die, Repeat. I know that story where it's like that movie comes out, it's Edge of Tomorrow, and then like collectively everybody's like, fuck, we named it the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never seen it, but I know about it. And I Groundhog also, Day combined I with Tom Cruise. I constantly love the fact that when I go online, like on Reddit or, or I, I search for stuff, and I try and find information about Escape from Tomorrow – the uh, the Disneyland uh, horror movie. Yeah. There there was a great when I was reading about Escape from Tomorrow. There was like a great Reddit post where someone posted like, like can somebody explain the ending of Escape from Tomorrow to me? Like I was very confused. And one of the responses on Reddit was, every time Tom Cruise dies, he comes back to <laughs> life. What is there not to not understand? And it had like eighty downvotes because the dude <laughs> just didn't realize that they were talking about a different movie. <laughs> Now we talked about how like Tom Cruise is um and I remember like, we talked about the vanilla sky poster where it's like it's just Tom Cruise's face. Yeah, just his head, yep. You might it's interesting that like if you go back to like like just two thousand like eighteen, that's almost the same thing for like the Mission Impossible movie, the last one. It's oh, just, wow, it's, like, it's just, okay. like if you look at all the posters that he made for the last like movies in the last decade or so, all of them just kind of have him. Like, Mission Impossible, yes, it has, like, Henry Cavill, like, Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. Simon Pegg. But American Mage is just him walking. The yep. Mummy is a, is a sarcophagus. Jack Reacher is just him. Yep. Mission Impossible 5 is mostly his face. Edge of Tomorrow is him and Emily Blunt. Oblivion is just him. Yep. Jack Reacher is exclusively him. <laughs> Rock of Ages, he's the most prominent character. Mission Impossible 4 is just him, him with, like, uh, oh, God, Jeremy... Oh god, what's his name? Oh, Jeremy Renner. Renner. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, isn't the story vi- of Mission Impossible Four where they're like, we're gonna hand the reins over to Jeremy Renner, and then Tom Cruise does the movie, and he's like, no, I got like eight more of these in me. <laughs> yes, yes, that is the story of Mission Impossible Four. It was like he was. Like, that was when Jeremy Renner was blowing up between yeah. like Hawkeye, the Bourne franchise, and it was like, nope. Tom Cruise was like, nope. And he's not even in the fifth one, uh, Jeremy uh, Renner. Oh god, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think he's in any of them. He's just in the fourth one. Right on, right on. Didn't they try and do? Isn't he in one of the Bourne movies, Jeremy Renner? They tried to make him the new Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets put in the stupidest, one of the stupidest movies in existence, Arrival. <laughs> yes, he is in the fifth Mission Impossible. It's that he's not in the sixth one. That's why I got. Oh my god! I don't even think I knew there was a sixth one. <laughs> it's not. It's two and a half hours, and everybody loves it, despite the fact I can't tell you why it's better than the fourth one. What's the, the fourth one? Is the subtitle on the sixth one? Do you know? Fallout. Fallout. Okay, I think the last one I heard about was Ghost Protocol because <laughs> we talked That's about it when one. we talked about Brad Bird. Yeah, the fourth one is the best one, and everyone's deluded themselves into thinking that the fifth and sixth one are better. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out why. I thought the third one was the best one because he's got a bug in his brain. <laughs> well, that's our best one, Rob. Michelle that's Monaghan, you need one. to kill me. <laughs> there is a bug in my brain. <laughs> oh god i've only seen the first two so well i've seen oh, the god. first two and i've seen the scene of the bug in the brain because we've had to there find it a clips. bug in my brain <laughs> you have to kill me okay i love you i guess i love you too i'm gonna kill you now <laughs> <laughs> you're sending me up. conflicting messages <laughs> she shows up in the sixth one oh uh, okay. michelle monaghan okay. yeah she shows back up ever since the uh third one because she disappeared she's at the very very end of the fourth one and she's not in the fifth one, but she shows, she's at the has, she's part of the fifth one. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, Rob. I I totally believe that. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah, I mean, other than that, Tom Cruise is just he's always going to be action man. He's never going to 
disappear, right? No, until he dies. Like, he yeah, died trying yeah. to entertain us. Like, that's it. Yeah, I'm like, we'll never get read about how Tom Cruise died just to entertain us. Like, Tom Cruise, like, fell out of the International Space Station. <laughs> and there'll be no remains because, like, he's now like, incinerated by the atmosphere. Um, that's, that is how Tom Cruise is going to die. A stunt trying to make us entertain. Absolutely. I mean, what? I mean, what's he doing next? It's got to be the next thing it's on his list has to be. Well, I was going to say the Top Gun thing. Well, that's just come out last year. That's been in the can for like. Well, two sure. Years that's I'm thinking of. That's going to be the next thing he pops up in. But then, of course, more Mission Impossible. Hundred percent. Yeah. That's the thing. They were trying to film both of those back to back, and uh, COVID stopped that. Mm. Oh, that's speaking of COVID and Tom Cruise. Wasn't there? Wasn't it him? He like. Audio leaked of a set that he was on. He's screaming at everybody for not following COVID protocols or whatever. Didn't that happen? Was that Tom Cruise? I think that was Tom Cruise where it was like – I remember hearing some of it because it came up online where it was something like, oh, Tom Cruise berates um, crew members. And I was like, oh, my God, is this going to be another Christian Bale thing like on Terminator Salvation? Because as we talked about, I love when actors yell at the crew members like that. But it turns out Tom Cruise was yelling at all of – like or most of the crew members for like not wearing masks and socially distancing and i listened to some of it and i was like this is the most clear pr stunt i've ever heard oh really like it seemed like tom cruise was just like you know sucking blowing and sucking himself on social media where it's like look what he did he told people to follow like social distancing protocol doesn't that make him like the the person we want in hollywood right now and it just, it honestly sounded to me like he was yelling at nobody on a sound stage or a sound booth just for PR. That's what it totally okay. read to me as, so. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. God, every sucks. Pos- <laughs> everything sucks, Rob. That is the point of the story. What's the? Everything, do we have a, te- a subtitle for Mission Impossible Seven and Eight? Do they have any? No. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. COVID protocol. COVID protocol. <laughs> Stay safe. Mission Impossible Seven. Stay safe at home. <laughs> Mission Impossible Seven. Six feet apart. <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, I think I just, like, as we know, I love me and Eyes Wide Shut. I thoroughly enjoyed Vanilla Sky. What else do I know? I mean... I like I like Tom Cruise, like, when he's, like, trying to... Do, I, I like him when he goes outside of his wheelhouse. Even though, like, American Made isn't the greatest and The Mummy's kind of, like, a bizarre disaster, I love it <laughs> when he goes outside of his comfort zone. It just, like... Like, Vanilla Sky is for the most part out of his comfort zone and i love that yeah yeah absolutely um he's he's great in collateral i like that movie as the villain he's he's not he's the anti-hero sure sure well uh, yeah okay 
I get what you're Which saying. Which is fine. Your point is still valid, <laughs> yeah. but he's more of an anti-hero. Uh, I don't like him in War of the Worlds, but I also don't like the Spielberg War of the Worlds, period. No, that movie, that movie, that movie's annoying. That is an annoying movie. It's ah. an ugly, annoying... It's 9-11. It's, it's Steven Spielberg's interpretation of Man of Steel. Yes, yes, exactly. I guess I would say Tom Cruise's best performance is when he called who? Uh, Matt Lauer glib. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> I'm only asking, isn't there a possibility that, do, do you examine the possibility that these things do work for some people? That yes, there are abuses, and yes, maybe they've gone too far in certain areas. Maybe there are too many kids on Ritalin. Maybe electric shock is... kids on Ritalin. Matt. I'm just saying, but, but aren't there Matt. examples where it Matt. works? Matt, Matt, you, you don't even, you're glib. You don't even know what Ritalin is. If you start talking about chemical imbalance, you have to evaluate and read the research papers on how they came up with these theories, Matt. Okay, that's what I've done. And you go and you say, where's the, where's the medical test? Where's the blood test that says how much Ritalin you're supposed to get? You're, you're, it's very impressive to listen to you because clearly you've done the homework and, and you know the subject. And you should. And, 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 and you should do that also because just knowing people who are on Ritalin isn't enough. You should be a little bit more responsible in knowing I'm really... not prescribing Ritalin, Tom, and I'm not well, asking anyone else to do well, it. Well, you are. You're saying... saying no, I know some people who seem to have been helped by I, But you're saying... But it's like, this is a very important issue. I, this I is couldn't a very, agree more. And you know what? And you're, you're here on the Today Show. Right. And... To talk about it in a way of saying, well, isn't it okay and being reasonable about it when you don't know, and I do. When he's screaming about Scientology and, and medication, I think. That's his best performance. You're glib, Matt. You're glib. Either that or uh, Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> oh, come on. Les Grossman is easily the best performance of his career. <laughs> take, come on, Rob. Take that's, a few that's... steps back and literally fuck your own face. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I'm trying Love to think. It. I never saw. Uh, I never saw a lot of the ones you mentioned, like Edge of Tomorrow, Jack Reacher. I never saw those. Jack never, Reacher's boring. I never saw the the World War II movie he was in about killing Hitler. I think. Oh, Valkyrie. Yeah, I never saw that. That's boring. That's a boring movie. I've just really seen his early 2000s stuff, and I, I mean, I've seen Jerry Maguire. You know. R- Rob, um, everybody's seen Jerry Maguire. I know who hasn't seen Jerry Maguire. <laughs> show Show me the what, Rob? Ah, uh, show me the Vanilla Sky. <laughs> Show me the money. Show me the show me the butterscotch horizons. Uh, I love the black man. Show me the cocaine. Show me the money. <laughs> didn't in his in his press for the mummy? Didn't he do show me the mummy a lot? Wasn't that a thing he did no, on like on like late not. night shows? I'm pretty sure I've seen a video of him not. on like whatever if Letterman was around or Fallon or whatever the hell it was where he's like I doing show me I... the mummy. Say it. Show me the mummy. Show me the mummy. No, louder. Come on. Show me the mummy. Show me the mummy. Louder. Show me the mummy. You want me to go all the way? You got to go all the way. One more. One more. Show me. Show me. That's it. Show me the mummy. Show me the mummy. Yes. I don't want that, Rob. I don't want that. (laughs) You you glib, Tom. (laughs) I'm trying to think of all. Okay, these are the Tom Cruise movies I've seen. Risky Business. Yep. Top Gun. Uh, I saw parts of Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, I love A Few Good Men. Oh, Mission show Impossible, me the truth. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eyes Wide Shut, yes. Magnolia, Mission Impossible 2, Vanilla Sky, Minority Report, uh, Collateral, oh, I like Minority War of the World. Report. Yeah. You do or do not? Do. I like that movie. I haven't seen it in years, but I enjoyed it from when I saw it. I just, it's a good movie. I don't like it. I think the weirdest scene in that movie is like when his son dies, like it, like 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 off screen. Oh um, yeah, it gets kidnapped and then killed. I think. Yeah. yeah, and at one point, like one of the precogs is like, "I can see your son now. Like he's basking in like a meadow." 
him and the wife are like crying and it's like i'm sensing the first time he's making love to a woman i'm like Whoa. Huh? It sounds huh? amazing. <laughs> I don't think I remember that part of the movie, but I'm on that board. happened, and I'm like, is that something you really want to tell the parents of a dead child? I'm like, like that's of all things to tell them, that would not be the top of my list. Um, Arctic Lightning, Valkyrie, Night and Day, Mission Impossible Four, Jack Reacher, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Mission Impossible Five. Never have seen Jack Reacher. Never stop. Never stopping. The Mummy. <laughs> American made in Mission Impossible. I've seen all of like his more recent films. Okay, the only one I didn't okay. see was Jack Reacher, uh, Never Stop, Never Stopping. You didn't mention Rain Man. Have you ever seen Rain Man? Never seen Rain oh, Man. Oh, okay. I saw that, I, that That is a cultural osmosis movie. That is not oh, a movie that yes, no, absolutely. nobody has ever seen that movie. That is a cultural osmosis. I so. also kind of think there's there's maybe a point where people don't even know that he's in Rain Man. They just know Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. Like Cocktail. Like it's funny. Like nobody yep. talks about Cocktail. But Zach, do you like pina coladas? That's the can we question. Say, can we say that a lot of Justin Bartha's character from Geely is based off Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man? Like, right? That has to be the inspiration oh, yeah. for that character. I mean, what else is ju- what the hell else is Justin Bartha going to look at in the zero amount of research he did for that movie? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> never saw The Firm. Never seen Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. I did um, not like Magnolia. Magnolia is one of those movies everyone wants to stop treating Paul Thomas Anderson as if he's the second coming of Christ. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson is not the second coming of Christ, everybody. He's made a handful of good movies. Let it go. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think uh, I think he might be Jesus. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really care for Never forget, <laughs> Rob, that PTA made The Phantom Thread, which is the prequel to The Phantom Menace, starring uh, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. That's part of the Phantom series? <laughs> yes. We're still waiting for the sequel. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, yeah, I guess that you're right. You said it best. You can tell when we don't really like movies when we talk about anything but them. <laughs> there's nothing to talk about no, in this movie. No, That's so, the problem. They're fine. There's nothing of substance. Like, there's not even any, like, goofy performances. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, there is literally nothing. Like, this movie is as shallow. Like, again, it was made for TNT to be aired in 2004 or 2003. Yes. I, I can imagine, like I can imagine, the perfect scenario for this movie. It's like a Sunday morning. It's on TNT, uh, TNT or USA. You're flipping through the channels, like during a commercial break, and you found out that the uh, oh god, what 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 was the uh, space shuttle that exploded in 2003? What was oh, that the called? Challenger. No, that was 86. Oh, that was uh, the Challenger two. Challenger two, never stop, never stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how cinema just evolved into like when Ben isn't around, Rob and Zach just make fun of national tragedies. <laughs> just, like, Rob, can you imagine what the Pearl Harbor episode's going to be like? Can you oh imagine? It's going to be insanity. Um, no, I'm trying to think of what that was discovery. Discover- discovery. Discovery. Okay, I was about to say discovery. discovery. Okay, okay. This yep. is the perfect thing. You you're flipping through the channels during a commercial break. CFD, the, the space shuttle Discovery has exploded in the atmosphere uh, upon reentry, and you're like, huh. And then you go back once you realize it's not 9-11 again, and you continue to watch Penelope Cruz, like, throw a vase at Johnny Depp. Perfect. <laughs> if there was anything to sum up the early 2000s, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rob, that sums up 2003. That's early 2000s. Like, That's like, like if you want to know the difference between, like, a good scene and a bad scene of the exact same emotions you're trying to convey, and which is more entertaining and interesting, take the scene in Blow of when Penelope Cruz is yelling at Johnny Depp 
like in the kitchen when they're living like in the little like shack house mm-hmm. and juxtapose that to the moment in Wolf of Wall Street mm. when um he it's right after he marries Margot Robbie and she like dumps like like a cup of water on him after he's like landed a helicopter at, like three in the morning in their front lawn and he's like and she's like like again. She's doing an accent that she can't control, much yep. like Penelope Cruz. <laughs> yeah. And you have a cocky actor. But this is the difference between Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio. Is that both of those, at the end of the day, are okay actors. They're not great, despite what the media tells us. Mm-hmm. But at least it's the same exact thing. But one is infinitely more entertaining. Because like, you have the whole thing where she's like, why were you saying Paris's name in your sleep? Jordan, who's Paris? He's like, baby, like I have like real estate in Paris. <laughs> and it's so over the top and just goofy. And yet in Blow, you just have a confused Penelope Cruz not understanding what she's selling, saying, and she's yelling it at other actors. <laughs> and then you have the whole part where like Margot Robbie's like, stop flexing, Jordan. Stop flexing. And he's like, baby, I love you. Just come here. And he's like doing his own like really horrible Long Island accent. And then she in like she dumps the, and he's like and she's like pulling the, like her arm back about to chuck the water on him. He's like, don't you fucking do it. Yep. Don't you fucking do it. And he's like, baby, just come here. I love you. And then like she's getting closer about to kiss him. She just dumps the water on him. He's like, God fucking damn it. He's just like pounding the sheets and like like that like classic modern era DiCaprio overacting. Like like we have to talk about at some point that like DiCaprio is the successor to Jack Nicholson. Like, oh, yeah, once he once Nicholson kind of gave up, but just wanted paychecks like that's what it is. And like, I love it. Like, I would like it, Rob, if you don't mind, it's probably gonna be like a 15 minute long, like sequence, but, like take the clip from blow. I want the blow <laughs> clip played first of Penelope Cruz in the kitchen yelling at Johnny Depp with their daughter there. And then after that, I want juxtaposed the Wolf of Wall Street scene with Margot Robbie in the water. <laughs> okay. I want that. I want those two scenes played right here. What are we going to do? Martha, please. I will talk to Augusto tonight. I'll start working for him, okay? Just tell me! Just answer the fucking question! What do we spend? What? How will we leave? Not in front of the kid. Don't give me that shit. Just better do something. Wake up, you piece of shit! Ow! Who's Venice? Huh? Who? 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 What are you, a fucking owl? Who is she? What? I don't know. Some the... little hooky you were fucking last what night? What the fuck are you talking about? No, no way, baby, no. You were calling her name in your sleep. What are you out of your fucking mind? I don't, I don't even know who Venice is. What the fuck does that even mean? Venice. Venice is the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Venice. Venice, baby, why are you? Venice. Venice. I'm ready to go, huh? Ah! Owie! Owie! Ah! Oh, baby. Oh, you're gonna play rough, huh? Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, owie, 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 owie. I like it. I like it. Ow. Wolfie, 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 Wolfie. Wolfie? Yes, my safe word, baby. It's my safe word. I don't give a fuck about your safe word. Oh, come on! Shut the fuck up! Forgot, baby. 
Donnie and I were in investing in a condominium complex in Venice. That's why That's why all this confusion. Oh, you were investing in Italy. Not Italy, California, oh, baby. Oh, California. Yeah. You're a lying piece of shit. Duchess, baby, Don't come on. Don't you fucking yeah, duchess me. Don't you duchess me. I'm sorry. Do you Just really talk. think yeah. that I don't know what you're up to? You're a father now, Jordan? Yeah. You're a father now. I know. And you're still acting yes. like an infant. God damn it! That's the point, folks. One scene is infinitely more interesting, and you just heard it. You didn't get to see it. <laughs> you just heard it, and it's more interesting to listen to than the other scene. My you know what my recommendation is for Cinemati and Late Night Status or Blow? Uh -oh. Go watch The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Hang up the phone! Well, Zach, Hang I think... Hang up the phone! I think that brings a very important point. Whenever we do our double features, we always have to ask, are we answering our questions for them together or separately? I see no reason to separate exactly. blow and suck. They yes, have to come I, as a pair. <laughs> yes, yes, I wholeheartedly agree, Rob. Both movies are about drugs, I, and I both yes. recommend you watch a better movie about drugs than that. Uh, I wish I had a more interesting idea to go with by not separating these movies, but across the board for both blow and suck for both of our questions, I'm going no. <laughs> yes, I agree. Because my, my actual note is uh, I would go... For all of them, for cinemas and late night, for blow and suck, my answer is no, followed up by, why would I say yes? Like, what reason is there to say yes for any of these? <laughs> I will give the caveat for suck that if you are into vampire movies, it at least tries to be different. I will give it that. I don't recommend it, but, like, if you're sure. into that subgenre, give it a watch. Sure, sure. Yeah, Very I, narrow I recommendation. You. I agree with you there. Absolutely. And if you're into drug movies, watch almost any other drug movie except Blow. <laughs> it's yeah, the worst type yeah. of movie. It's boring. If you're like a drug smuggler completionist, I, <laughs> I guess you would have to throw those on your list. But, you know, get to some of the other ones before B Blow. Before you watch Blow or Suck, just put Wolf of Wall Street on. Both movies are I, – I, this is a better drug movie than either one. Is Narcos over? I feel like Narcos is one of the things they're never going to let die if it isn't over. It has to be know. over, they're, though. That's been they're, around for they're, so long. they're just going to suck the yes instead of poor, uh, what's his name, the Mandalorian man. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Netflix or Disney, someone's going to suck the pure life out of them. It's just whoever wins, we lose. Well, I guess if there's nothing about blow or suck or our questions, we can move on to snacks. At least that'll be interesting for this discussion, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have a lot of snacks for these movies. Uh, I have to say, as I mentioned earlier for, for Suck, I would love, because I'm sure we have an abundance of them in our restaurant, severed limbs. Uh, we let the severed limbs gather flies, and then we serve them to customers. Oh, okay. Because then, you know, you get some, you get some limbs, you get some flies... Uh, I, I have to say one thing for Suck. Like you said, it has this an interesting take on the vampire thing. I don't think I've seen in a vampire movie a vampire drinking blood out of a severed limb. Like, there's a scene where Jessica Perret is just, like, chomping down at the severed part of an arm, like, drinking blood from it. So, good, if you're into that, that's in that movie. <laughs> okay. But severed limbs with flies, because I think flies would gather around decaying flesh i would imagine they would right you'd think yeah i, I don't and see especially in the cinemodities restaurant <laughs> and then my only other thing i was thinking of is i know we've talked about it earlier this year we have um helicopters in the restaurant that are trying to get shot down but w what about the cinemodities airport hangar maybe it wouldn't be a full yes. airport but it'd be like so my thought is 
Well, my one thing that I was against this initially is that it might cause some issues with people being able to leave the restaurant an easy way, but I'm sure we can find a fix for that. I'm more into this idea that the the roof of the restaurant opens up so planes can come and go, but I want them to come and go with reckless abandon. So hear me out. As we know, the Cinemales restaurant is underground where Mars 2112 used to be, which is in Times Square. It's in New York City. I would love to give no warning to the streets of New York City that the ground is about to open up and a plane's going to fly out or land. So we have, like, cars just falling into the restaurant when the roof opens up like a, like a dome-type thing. Or, you know, like a sports dome, like the roof opens closed for planes to come and go. And if you remember, Zach, well, I don't know if you remember, a few <laughs> years ago, maybe like five years ago, I'm pretty sure, maybe a little longer, there was some plans that New York City was seriously considering turning Central Park into an airport. And oh, of, really? Of course, that never happened because people lost their that. goddamn minds when that was proposed. So we solve that. We say now there's finally going to be an airport in Manhattan, and it is going to be the Cinemodities Airport. What do you think? I like it. And also, maybe we have some plane crashes, but that goes with any airport. Are there any airports in the world that don't have at least one crash on record? There can't be, right? <sighs> major or just any airport? I would say major. Oh, oh, yeah. This is, statistically, statistically speaking, it would be impossible. Yeah, because um, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, maybe like a smaller one, like what, there's the, um, I don't know, like the, the Jackson Hole in Wyoming, the ski resort airport is really small. Like, I'm sure some of those probably have no accidents, but it, it has to happen, and we welcome them. <laughs> <laughs> We encourage you to crash land our, your plane. And I think if we institute the the Cinemodities Airport, we can try and get funding to make it from the Illuminati. We can pitch it as their new headquarters. Ooh. Zach, do you know the cons- what airport the conspiracy is as the headquarters of the Illuminati? Uh, JFK? The Denver Airport. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, th- this is like a huge... There's a crazy story behind the Denver airport um, that people think it was built by the Illuminati and it is their headquarters. You can find some interesting conspiracy theories online. Um, And I've been there a bunch because that's the closest – well, technically the Wyoming Cheyenne airport's closest to me. But uh, you can't fly to anywhere major from there. But yes, the Denver airport is the current (laughs) headquarters for the Illuminati. And I think that like you know, we should build the Cinematis airport and then kind of put our hat in the ring – just like trying to host the Olympics, we put our hat in the ring for the new Illuminati headquarters. And if that doesn't work out, we can always make it the new Amazon headquarters. <laughs> well, that's, that's the that's the fail safe. Like when yeah. Cinemodi eventually goes bankrupt, we'll just sell it to Jeff Bezos. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> it's an infinite void. Jeff Bezos will find something to do with it. I, if anybody looks into it or uh, or or does know about it, I have seen at the Denver airport the weird statues that are demons coming out of suitcases. <laughs> they exist what? at the airport. Yeah, there's there's actual statues at the Denver airport of, like, a suitcase on its side opened up and, like, demon, a, a demon coming out of it. Like, those those exist in the Denver airport. Okay, I need to investigate this. It is, it is wildly interesting, Zach. I'm sure you can find, you can do that tonight when, you know, drink your codeine, put on some YouTube conspiracy videos about the Denver airport, and just go to town. <laughs> there's, oh, yeah, the gargoyles. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. There's, Coming out of a suitcase. There's like there's like a ton of conspiracies about there's like a um a, a large series of tunnels under the Denver airport 
And I think one of the conspiracies is that the Illuminati wants to use it as a concentration camp I've read before. It's very strange. So take all that, get that out of Denver, move it to New York at the Sinmai's restaurant. You are welcome here. (laughs) I like the idea of having gargoyles, like like gargoyle-esque things in the restaurant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like that. We should have a Johnny Depp gargoyle in the restaurant. (laughs) It's like Johnny Depp, like, coming out of, like, uh, like, I want a Johnny Depp gargoyle, but it's, like, coming out of, like, a pool of water. Sure, or a pool of wine and olive oil. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I that like works. that. We have, a, we, have we have a we have a caviar glory hole. What is a uh, yeah. wine olive yeah. oil mixture pondo look like? Oh, Johnny now, Depp it. now I'm thinking that we could also have like a Johnny Depp Fugly walk around character that's just slurring no, that's, his words. That's too bizarre, even for us, Rob. Oh, so then just Johnny I like, Depp. <laughs> I like the idea that maybe that's a failed creation from last week's episode. And maybe we have to hire like a bounty hunter character. Maybe oh. actually do have to hire a bounty. Like, okay, where we talking about recently? Where we had bounty hunter character. Was that uh, Robert De Niro? Yeah, Midnight Run, the bounty hunters, maybe, something like maybe that. Maybe we maybe we can hire him to hunt down that abomination. <laughs> okay, I like that. I also like that as instructions to give the bounty hunter, like, what's my target? The abomination. <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, the, the the airport and the severed limbs and flies were my snacks. What do you got, Zach, from these movies? Oh, God, is there really any snacks? I like, know, like it's tough. I mean, suck has suck has a lot of low hanging fruit. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take. I don't know, Rob. There's really nothing that like really like tickles my curiosity with either. Like, Blow doesn't really have any good food items, right? No, not. No, it's it's cocaine. <laughs> Like I, like I would recommend that as another snack, but like we already have that. Like like cocaine is great. We need more cocaine. Sure, sure. Yeah. And How about that? Is my a bump snack. of cocaine co- or something? <laughs> How about that? Is my snack. I am going to recommend more cocaine. You know, we have that as the bump from Mandy. <laughs> yeah. As you're walking out of the restaurant, that is my uh, follow up. More cocaine. Okay, I like this because we've hit we've hit our maximum on cigarettes. We can't keep adding more cigarettes. I think we have enough. No. So we're we're cigarettes are our gateway drug. We're moving on to coke. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Fair. Fair. I think the only thing I think of is I would love to give uh the the English language lesson about paradoxical heteronyms at the start. Tell teach the kids in the city Monities restaurant about that, you know? Use blow and suck as an example. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man. So, Zach We did it. We got through these fine movies, and I am so excited. I think you're excited as well. We're finally getting to the good stuff next week. We are finally going to be discussing one of the most wonderfully ridiculous movies. Next week is Josie and the Pussycats. I'm fucking ecstatic about this. and And what comes after that, Rob? Well, after that, we followed up with... The movie that I was going to say ahead of its time, I don't think it is of a time. It's the only movie made by aliens, Freddy Got Fingered. It is an otherworldly film. (laughs) God, it's a double feature to end all double features. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. If you liked my monkey bone discussion, the Freddy Got Fingered one is completely different. There's no big meaning to Freddy Got Fingered. It is a movie that will never exist again. I guess that Freddy Got Fingered is like something like Gigli. Are we ever going to get something like that again? I know I'm jumping the gun, but that's how I think of Freddy Got we Fingered. Are, <laughs> we are going to save that discussion because there is an insane There's amount of thoughts I have. So much. Daddy, would you like some sausage? 
beautiful. B-E-A, beautiful. Betty, how am I supposed to eat and play music at the same time? <laughs> but Gord, Rob, finish this quote. But Gordy. Is that all I'm getting? Is it the same scene or a different scene? <laughs> but Gord, no, Rob, you know how to finish this quote. But Gordy, all I want. Oh, I don't want jewels. I just want to suck your cock that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think she says but Gordy a few times in that movie. Yes. But Gordy. <laughs> All right, oh we okay. God. We'll Rip have to talk torn. about this next. Rip fucking torn. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I want to say. Just yell that repeatedly. So, you have a problem with my legs, and it's like I don't, but you clearly do. <laughs> 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 you don't have a job, Gord. You're just here out with your retarded slut girlfriend. And she goes, "I am not retarded." <laughs> <laughs> Rob, goddamn, stop it. I can quote the whole movie. I dream that movie. <laughs> to quote Prometheus, cut it off. Oh, God. Cut it off. Oh, God. <laughs> well, any any uh, final thoughts from you, Zach, about uh, we're getting to the good stuff next? Get off the phone. <laughs> Get off the phone. Oh, uh, I think the, the way to end this episode is we'll take my favorite needle drop from both of the song, both of the movies. And even though there is a Bowie song in Suck that I really like, Here Comes the Night, we should definitely take Blinded by the Light by Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Play that in reverse, because I think that'll sound pretty cool in reverse. And that's a great song, the Manfred Mann's version. But that is a cover. That's gonna. We'll do another fact at the end of this episode. The original person that wrote Blinded by the Light is Bruce Springsteen, but nobody knows that version. They know the South African Manfred Mann's Earth Band version. So check it out, hear it in reverse. These movies... And this episode was fine. <laughs> True that. Narcos, oh, this is giving me a headache. <laughs> There's three seasons of Narcos, and then season four is a reset as season one of Narcos colon Mexico. But the, but what the, okay, I don't care enough to look into this more, Zach. <laughs> so it's still on, technically. It just has a different name, because I guess that's what Netflix is doing these days. <laughs>